yourself. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. family, starting with Mario Francia Bruta Cuomo, Queen Cuomo the first, followed by Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo the second, and then of course Fredo, Chris Cuomo, with the muscle between both ears, pretty boy, and the wartime consigliere Joe Pococo, just finished doing six years in Camp Fed for political corruption, and he'll be going back to the United States Supreme Court to appeal his conviction. Oh, yeah, they're all trying to rehabilitate themselves. And a bomb of a story has come out that's going to give them more fuel for that as their inquisitor. The uh, attorney general of the state of New York, Letitia James, who uh, normally only sees Trump in her uh, sights. She sues Donald Trump, sues his family, sues his businesses. Anything uh, named Trump, she sues. Well, it appears that her chief of staff, Ibrahim Khan, may turn out to be more of a perv than Andrew Evelines Cuomo was. And remember, she forced him out as governor in August of 2021. So, you know, at the Cuomo compound out in the Hamptons, they're all listening to our FM affiliate, WLIR. Oh, yeah, they listen religiously whenever Curtis Lee was on because I am their main adversary. I know where their bones are buried and who buried them, and they don't want me resurrecting bad news because they want to revise to all good news, thinking that all of you are stupid, stunad, that uh, you're all shadrules, knuckle-draggers, working-class people who have little intellect and cannot even remember five days ago, never mind five years ago. Well, we'll get to that momentarily because they're dancing the Tarantella at the Hampton compound of Fredo Chris Cuomo as they have hit the mattresses, they're stirring the marinara sauce, and they are prepared for political war to retaliate against what they call a corrupt Attorney General Tis James, who they claim, and I claim also, notice how, how rare a Cuomo and uh, a Sliwa are ever joined at the hip. But it's clear by all the documentary evidence that Tish James knew that her chief of staff, Ibrahim Khan, who's been with her 
Ever since she made her bones politically in city council running as the Working Families Party candidate, not the Democrat. So she's a hardcore leftist. She believes in defunding the police, defunding prisons, and then uh, winning the position of that no-show job, public advocate, which is basically an opportunity to rip off to taxpayers, do nothing but spend all your day campaigning for your next position, which she did as attorney general. And uh, you know when she took out Cuomo, she had eyes on becoming the first female governor and the first African-American female governor, because we know my husband-in-law, that's right, Governor David Patterson, uh, (laughs) the stepfather to my oldest son, Anthony, beat it to the punch when all of a sudden Elliot Spitzer, with the socks up to his knees, was caught in violation of the Mann Act, transporting uh, prostitutes across state lines. Should have gone to jail, but they said, hey, how about this? Why don't you just quit being governor of the state of New York, exit back into the real estate empire of your father where you're a billionaire, and just leave it to uh, Governor David Patterson, and that's exactly what happened. But I digress momentarily. Uh, I am strapped with a handicap here as we push towards the 12 midnight hour. I am stuck with clearly a man that we know is a fugitive from law. Matt Blaze, I have reported him to HR here at WABC on numerous occasions and have said I know of at least six aliases that this guy is uh, strapped down with, but they pay no attention because the Mama Luke Frank Morano gives him uh, sanctuary and protection. I noticed as our telephone talent coordinator, it is the runway model, Ken. Ken, what is your uh, gender identity today? Are you male? female, non-binary, you know, in your, in your business of being a runway model, you got to be whatever it is that the designer wants you to be, you know, because you, you go up and down on the runway like somebody stuck a stickball bat up your tuchus, right? Oh, yeah, popping up and down, men, women, whatever. Boy, this guy is a real piece of work. And then, of course, there's Alex, the uh, nighttime producer for the Frank Morano uh, National Network. Uh, who's got his schnoz right up Frank Morano's took his man. He is the biggest brown nose I've ever met. But I will tell you this, Frank Morano is still missing in action. So let me get this straight. We don't know where this deadbeat, this gold brick is. So I'm going to have to take a one-hour break right after the animal welfare hour with my gorgeous wife, Nancy, the animal rescuer. Uh, that is the most listened to, the most requested, most phoned in of the many hours that I do on the weekend with WABC. The acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. So I get a one-hour break when Dominic Carter is on. And then I come back to substitute again a red for the Mama Luke Frank Morano. And nobody seems to know where he is. He's MIA, missing in action. But I'm telling you, Frank Morano, wherever you are in the world, You give me an inch, you give me a minute, you give me an hour, you give me a day, you give me a week, I'm going to eat up your real estate, and that includes everybody else here at WABC. And I couldn't be more pissed off, because on Friday when I substituted for the missing in action Frank Morano, he does two-minute drops at the beginning of his segments, and his staff deprived me of a total of eight minutes of talk time. And I feel like... I feel like I'm soiled that I was denied an opportunity 
at eight more minutes of talk time in a weekend in which I've been talking for about 40 hours straight and would double it if given the opportunity. You don't take not a minute of talk time away from you. That's like taking food out of a, a hungry man's mouth. That's like taking a bottle of Poland Spring out of the lips of a man who hasn't had any water in five days, who has parched lips. <sighs> but you caused me to digress. The news of the day, bar none, is the fact that Tish James... The attorney general who just barely won re-election and was the only candidate who refused to debate. Remember, in the gubernatorial election in Arizona, the Democrat who finally won had refused to debate in her Democratic primary and then in the general election. But she was not alone. The chicken of the sea was Tish James. A lot of people couldn't understand. They said, wait, the schmuck, the putz, Chuck E. Cheese Schumer, he's debated his opponent. Joe Pinion, uh, Tom DiNapoli, the controller, he debated his opponent. They only did one debate, should have done more, but at least they did the one debate. Uh, we saw Congressman Lee Zeldin whoop Kathy Crimewave Holcomb in their one debate. But Tish James refused to do a debate with Michael Henry, who in internal polls was neck and neck with Tish James. And now we know why she didn't debate. She did not want the potentiality that the information that she was covering up for her chief of staff, a sexual assaulter, a perv, a guy named Ibrahim Khan. You know, the curse of Khan. Who is that, remember? Which Star, Star, Star Trek, Star World, Star View, whatever episode that was. The evil Khan. Remember Ricardo Montalban. I am Khan. Uh, well, Ibrahim Khan is a perv. In fact, once we get all the data from the internal investigation that, in fact, was done years ago uh, of uh, Khan, the, the chief of staff, for I didn't know anything, Attorney General Tish James, we'll be able to match it up. There were eight women that said that Andrew Evilize Coma was a perv, I believe, each and every one of them, and I believe there are more out there. And remember, he blamed it on the cultural identity of being an Italian. Remember, oh, Italians, you know, we're always touching things. Yeah, touch your private parts, pal. Pleasurize yourself. And now it appears Ibrahim Khan may have done him worse. Wow. So now the Cuomos are coming out, and they are dancing the Tarantella back of their compound. They're listening to WLIR. Well, hold on. Before revisionism... Before revisionism prevails, let me tell you, Andrew, I know you're listening right now with your brother Fredo and with Joe Pococo, the wartime consigliere. Remember when you told all of us that we should leave New York? Remember when you told every last one of us who was not a Democrat it was time to leave? I won't forget. Are they these extreme conservatives who are right to life, a poor assault weapon? Anti-gay? Is that who they are? Because if that's who they are, and if they are the extreme conservatives, they have no place in the state of New York. So this because that's not who New Yorkers are. Yeah, so naturally the exodus to Florida began. And who is the beneficiary of that? Governor DeSanctimonious, or at least that's what Trump has called him. And oh boy, in the next hour, if you're still Trumpers... 
I'm going to take the pulse of the Trumper nation as he has called for the termination of the Constitution in his truth social post. The termination of our Constitution. Mark Levin, what the hell are you going to say now? I'm a constitutionalist. In fact, Mark Levin spends half his time on his broadcast quoting from the United States Constitution. What's he going to do without the Constitution? He won't even have a program. And what about Sid Rosenberg vacillating as he does? Oh, I don't know. Should I jump off now? Should I jump off the SS Trump and become a never-Trumper, a rhino like Curtis was, the original one? Oh, we'll get into all of that in the next hour. Let's stick to the Cuomo's. And then remember when he said, Andrew Levelized Cuomo, that America was never great? We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. Can I hear that again, please, Matt Blaze? We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. Yes, it's he did. What, what, what did you mean by that, huh? Andrew, hey, what do you mean America was never great? Why, why did your grandparents come here to America? Why didn't they go to Argentina, huh? A lot of Italians went to Argentina, right? And then, of course, when he declared that ICE, Limigre, Immigration and Naturalization Service, just celebrating their 20th anniversary. They came about in the aftermath of the attack on 9-11 as the part of the Department of Homeland Security. Not with Mayorkas. No, he's got to go. Their job, though, is to go after people who overstay their visas, of which there are many, and go after narco-terrorists, sex traffickers, drug dealers, and gangbangers who have either committed crimes in their country of origin or while here illegally and they're vilified, not by just Cuomo, but by Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, and Democrats in general. New York State is the state that says we will not cooperate with ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. He politicized ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. We said we will sue them if they violate any criminal laws in the state of New York. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, he became the author of the no-cash bail that has caused us Michigash. He didn't veto the bill. He promoted it. He encouraged it. He authored it. And then it passed through the uh, state assembly and the state senate. And it is the law of New York. We are the only state in which a judge in black regal robes cannot make a decision whether the accused is a danger to themselves or anyone else. And you remand them to jail or you remand them to a psychiatric facility without imposing any bail whatsoever. You remand them. And then all of a sudden, what happened, Matt Blaze? August 10th, 2021, he had to leave. Eight women, including a state trooper, said, this guy, man, had his hands all over our bodies. Perf. Governor Perf. And then he crawled back into his hovel, the Cuomo compound. He left El Capitan back at the governor's uh, Mansion, and I went, and Nancy went to retrieve El Capitan. We were going to rescue El Capitan. He found out about that through Rich Araposi or whatever the hell his name is, his uh, hitman. And the moment he saw that I was there to fetch El Capitan, he called up the guard shack there, and he said, Do not give Curtis Lewa El Capitan. I will drive all the way back 
I will come out of exile like Napoleon leaving the island of Elba. I will not be embarrassed by this. Meantime, El Capitan was humping the leg of the state trooper when he was talking to Andrew Evilized Cuomo. Apparently, Andrew never got him fixed. Maybe he could have gotten two for one. El Capitan fixed and him fixed. And he wouldn't be in the jam that he is, right? A little bit of saltpeter. See, if only the Cuomos had been raised when they were having their their Farina, their Wittina, or their Maypole, the Matilda would have been putting in what has kept so many men cool, calm, and collected over the years. They became flaccid, not turgid. You know what I'm talking about, right? The item there, saltpeter. Millions of prisoners, millions of men in the military service in order to calm them down. They had no idea that in the kitchen, Salt Peter was being put into their morning maple, their wetina, their farina, their H.O. oats, their mush. And because of that, look at all these men who are getting into trouble, including Andrew Evilized Cuomo, Governor Perv, and Ibrahim Khan. Chief of Staff of Tish James, who has lied. Tish James, who never let us know that her Chief of Staff was a perv. Hmm, isn't that interesting? Do as I say, but not as I do. And apparently one of the only reasons she went after Cuomo is she wanted to knock him out of the way. Now, now Cuomo had sponsored her. Cuomo had said... That's my attorney general. I am not interested in everybody else running. And there were quite a few in the primary. I anoint her. He took her by hand. Every parade, every gathering, you would have thought there would have been some sense of loyalty. But if you know Tish James, her loyalty is to herself and only herself, like almost every politician. Let the battle begin. Like two scorpions in a brandy glass. Andrew Evilized Cuomo, former governor, trying to rehabilitate himself. And Tish James saying to herself, I could have been governor. I could have been governor. I, I, I should have knocked out Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. I should have, should have, would have, could have. But the poll said I couldn't beat her. So I took the safe spot, remaining attorney general of the state of New York, and then refusing to debate Michael Henry, Republican conservative candidate, because I didn't want the information about Ibrahim Khan. To come out. You fake, phony, fraudulent fugazi. Our number is 1 800 848 9222. By the way, what do you think of the comeback of not just Andrew Evilized Cuomo, but Fredo, Chris Cuomo, and yes, their one time consigliere Joe Pococo, who has just filed to the United States Supreme Court. They have initially heard his uh, arguments to his attorney. It looks like they're going to dismiss. Six years that he did in Camp Fed. And then he'll probably sue us, right? Manage. I know all three of you guys. Andrew, Chris, Joe Picoli. I know. You're listening right now. I know that. I know that. Well, I'm not going to tell you how I know. <laughs> it almost slipped out. Enjoy. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Talk Radio 77. WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 
We'll keep it all New York. From Syracuse, New York, and Orangeman. What is that, Moses Malone? Oh, no, no, that was the basketball player, Moses Malone. Oh, what a great song. In honor of you, Fredo. Circle, circle jerks. Guy's got a million dollars of bling in his mouth. Emeralds, diamonds, drilled into his teeth. Man, if you stick up kids, you definitely want to go to a Post Malone concert, man. Now he's walking out, just say, hey man, I'm just gonna knock your teeth out. That's it. Don't don't take don't take it personally, uh, Post Malone. A million dollars of bling bling in his mouth. And where did he come from? Syracuse, New York. Who else came from Syracuse? Tom Cruise wearing his lips. Normally about four foot eight with lips, he's about five foot two. But he continues to be a Scientologist, which means he wants to rip off your money, too. But he's not a stick-up kid. He just wants to give you a, what do they call that? <laughs> a personality test? Come here. Come here. You got money? We're going to give you a personality test. You're going to move up the ranks. You're going to be a Sea Org. You're going to join Elrod Hebert on that on that, that ocean cruiser that's out there off of Catalina. I can't see. He's there. Really? Talk about a cult of personality. And then you know what Tom Cruise said? He said, you know, the second most read book in the world, second only to the Bible, is Dianetics. How do we know that? Where is the documentary evidence, right? I never saw it in the New York Times bestseller list, right? Even some of our colleagues' books, like Bill O'Reilly, as much as they don't like his politics, they list that. Oh, Tom Cruise, oh, there's no doubt. The second most read book in the world. How do we know that? You see... People say things over and over. You hear it enough, and then people go around. Yeah, yeah, you know, Dianetics. Did you ever read Dianetics? No. Uh, where did you see Dianetics? Oh, on a card table at Grand Central Station. These crazy people had it, and they said, I want to give you a personality test. You should have told them in typical New York fashion, Oofa! You're not getting any of my money. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. We're talking about... The resurrection, the re-education of Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I. And it started right here on WABC at the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion, hosted by our own John Katsimatidis, when he talked about a conversation he had with his Uber driver. Oh, yeah. I'm in an Uber. Now I'm an old guy, right? I'm a New York City guy all my life. I'm in an Uber. The driver is is even older than me, probably about, <laughs> 70, probably about 70 years old. The guy from Manhattan ran bars in Manhattan, uh, all sorts of different jobs, but a real New York City guy. And we're chatting. Uh, and I said, what do you think about how bad it is? He says, worse than ever. Mm-hmm. I said, hold on. I said, not worse than ever. Not like uh, late 70s, the 80s. Uh, you're afraid to walk down the block, the chain snatching. Uh, you couldn't show jewelry. He said, you're wrong, Governor. Worse than ever, I'm telling you. Filio Moy, where, where have you been, right? Where have you been? You were the author of No Cash Bail. But no, he doesn't want to talk about that. 
It's like an Etch-A-Sketch. He's wiped it out of his memory cycle. Never happened, according to him. In fact, now he's an expert on citing what's happening to crime in the city of New York. It is very bad. And, you know, public safety works two ways. There's the reality of it, and there's the perception of it. People are saying, I feel scared. I feel afraid. I'm afraid that the vampire known as Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo may try to make a comeback, right? Just like a vampire. No matter how many times you stab him, you shoot him like Rasputin, throw him in the Hudson River, he somehow survives. And then, of course, now he's an expert, not on a red wave, but on the crime wave. Second, there wasn't a red wave, but there was a crime wave. And oh, very good. You talking about this. Uh, and you saw the crime wave hit. New York City sat on its hands. The turnout in New York City was about 10 points below what it should have been. Uh, and on Long Island, they didn't sit on their hands. They revolted, right, on the issue of crime. And why the Democrats, which I am still bewildered by, why they were so tongue-tied on the issue of crime, I just don't understand. And uh, you had election deniers, but the Democrats were crime deniers. What a kyakata. What a Pinocchio. Here's the author of No Cash Bail that got us in this jam. And it's sort of like, what? No Cash Bail? Never heard of that. But wait a second now. He's blaming it not on himself. Of course not. No politician ever blames themselves, Democrat or Republican. They always need to find someone to pin it on. Naturally, it's AOC, all-out crazy, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors. We see extremists dictating radical positions in many ways which are driving the Democratic Party. Now, as part of his rehabilitation, resurrection, and... uh, Coming out of the grave like a zombie. What does he have, Matt Blaze? Like everybody has today, a, po- a podcast, a freaking podcast. I don't believe in podcasts. Everybody has a podcast. You know what this reminds me of? There was that time when everybody had to be a stand-up comedian, right? And then all of a sudden there was a comedy club in every block. Oh, you got to be a stand-up comedian. No, I don't. No, I don't. Yeah, oh, yeah, look, they have open mic tonight. Yeah, look at, look at the lines. You can't even find a comedy club even more. That's what's going to happen to freaking podcasts. You're going to see it in the Museum of Natural History with the Brontosaurus Rex. Brontosaurus Rex. Oh, that's from the Flintstones. <laughs> but naturally, Cuomo has a podcast, and every chance he has... You know, he only has five people listening, his family members, and El Capitan, his dog. But he wants to promote it. I don't toe the party line, and I won't tolerate the Washington nonsense. It's time to uncover the facts, have honest conversations, and develop real answers to our greatest challenges. Let's do that together. I'm Andrew Cuomo, inviting you to join me on my new weekly podcast, As a Matter of Fact. God, listening to that, who the hell would want to listen to that? Sounds like he has constipation, right? Or he's sitting on attack. I don't know. 
But wait a second. I understand from my wife, Nancy, animal rights expert, uh, you will hear from her in the 11 o'clock hour, our animal welfare hour, that in Andrew Evilized Cuomo's recent podcast, he talks about how he was walking his dog, El Capitan, who still has not been fixed, who was seen humping his leg. And do you know what happened, Matt Blaze? You know what happened, Ken? Well, you wouldn't know. You're a student. Coyotes came out of the bushes and attacked El Capitan. <laughs> we'll be talking about that in the Animal Welfare Hour. There was a sheepdog who fought off eight coyotes. Almost died. And so I know what happened. Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo said, boy, this would be a great story for my podcast. El Capitan, stop humping my leg, huh? Yeah, why don't you get him fixed, Andrew? Fights off a horde, a whole, a whole pack of hungry coyotes. What, in the Hamptons? Really? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC when we return. Second part of this equation, the resurrection, the return of the vampire known as Chris Cuomo, where if you call him Fredo, he says he'll knock your block off. Although, hey, 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 Fredo, you're listening right now? You know, you sat with me 10 years ago and you were laughing when I called you Fredo, huh? I guess you were a little intimidated by me. W-A-B-C. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. See, Ken, this happens to all of us. At some point, the aging process kicks in. And then you get a letter every day when you're 49 from AARP reminding you you're going to be a geezer next year. 50 and it's over. Junk mail every day reminding you you're AARP. Let me tell you, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo the second, the son of Mario Fracha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo the first. I know you're listening. You're AARP, hey, hey. Hey, feel you more. You're 63, huh? You're walking your dog, El Capitan, he's humping your leg, and he's fighting off coyotes. You expect me to believe that? Of course you do. But now uh, we'll talk later on about actually Tish James doing something finally good in her life, taking on the uh, nursing home owners who stole $18 million from the pockets of old people and our government and taxpayers. We'll get to that momentarily. Give me a little bit of that music, because this could also be the theme song for the missing in action, Frank Morano, the Mama Luke, who's supposed to be on this morning... The uh, the worst of the other side of midnight is nationally syndicated show, but nobody can find him. I mean, we couldn't find him Saturday morning. I had to stay. Hey, I got no problems with that. I'll eat up your real estate in talk time. But nobody can find this guy. I have a premonition, though, of where he may be. And I know 
that the three of you are not rats. You won't eat the Parmesan cheese. You've taken the coat of Omerta. But, I mean, how many more days is he going to be a gold brick, a slacker, and a deadbeat, huh? But this is the perfect song for Frank Morano. This should be his theme song because we don't know how old he is. Like Frank Morano says, you can ask me any question. Uh, how old are you, Frank? No, sorry, I won't answer that. You look at his Facebook page. It's his high school picture from Tottenville in Staten Island. His senior year photo, right, the Purple Pirates. And you say, well, how old are you? None of your B.I.B. business. Guy's got a gray streak in his hair now. You know, actually, he was trying to imitate his hero, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who won't give him any play, won't give him an interview. He wants to be just like Tulsi, right? But this would be perfect because we know he's not old, but he acts old. I've never known a young guy to act as old as Frank Morano. I mean, I'm looking through his song list here. Oh, my God. Rudy Valley, brother, can you spare a dime? Really? Rudy Valley, brother, can you spare a dime in preparation for a recession? I can't believe that. that, that that's the same song. Anyway, we'll get to that. After Dominic Carter. I don't have to recharge my bag. Hey, Dominic, stay home. I'll just go right through. You can mail it in, right? You call in, I give you two minutes, and then I introduce you to Mr. Click. I'm still pissed that on uh, Saturday morning, I had two-minute drops that I could have done on the Frank Morano. Worst side of the other side of Midnight, nationally syndicated show, and his team of Norduels kept me from doing it. This morning, I'm doing it. I'm doing it, huh? Now I got to get back on track to deal with Chris Cuomo. Hey, you know, Ken, the runway model, you have a lot in common with Chris Cuomo. Fredo. He's like, I did a month of talk radio with him. He was my partner. A partner in uh, the afternoons from 3 to 5 at the old WABC. And Chris Cuomo back then, you know, he was, uh, you know, oh... I'm pretty boy. I'm a pretty boy reporter. And people would ask him a question in talk radio. I'm sorry, I, I can't have an opinion because I'm a professional journalist. <laughs> Did you hear him on that Cuomo show at CNN, the Cuomo National Network, before they dumped him? By the way, what's the name of that show right now? What is it? They can't even find it. Uh, what the hell is the name of that? It's like Station 2852 out there, somewhere in the stratosphere. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. But anyway, let's go to Chris Cuomo. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's hear a little bit of Chris Cuomo here, please. I thought that's who you were. No, punk-ass bitches from the right call me Fredo. My name is Chris Cuomo. I'm an anchor on CNN. Oh, must... Fredo was from the Godfather. He was a weak brother. Isn't that your And they brother? use it as an Italian aspersion. Any of you Italian? Oh, you I Italian? Got, I got a it's a f***ing insult to your people. It's an insult to your f***ing people. It's like the N-word for us. Wow. Is that a cool f***ing thing? Now, uh, interesting... And uh, you would think he was a tough guy, right? Uh, where was that? Shelter Island, right? Yeah, you got to be real tough on Shelter Island. Take the uh, take the ferry over to Shelter Island. A lot of tough guys there, right? So he's got his chest out. People said at that time uh, he was half in the bag. He had been drinking too much. So naturally, what does Chris Cuomo have now? 
He's got a podcast, just like his brother. And he muses to himself about how he indulges in alcohol. I wish Frank Morano would do that because by 12 midday, he's stiff to the wind with six dry martinis and he's eaten the green olives before he drinks the martinis. Listen to Chris Cuomo tell you every aspect of his life that would say he needs to go to AA. And yet he says, I'm not an alcoholic. Uh, and my diet can suck. I drink too much. I'm thinking about that mostly in terms of why I drink too much. And I'm probably what people in the sobriety community would call a normie, but a hard drinker. (laughs) I drink um, often, and I definitely think it's not always for the right reason. I think it's to settle my mind. I think it's to deal with emotions. And I'm not saying I'm an alcoholic. I don't believe in abusing those terms. The hell he's giving every indication he's an alcoholic. He's half in the bag, right? But I'm, I'm a Cuomo. I can't be an alcoholic because I'm omnipotent. I'm pretentious. Uh, I'm entitled. I'm better than everybody else. In fact, I spent so much time looking for his new broadcast on News Nation. I finally found it up on the dish. It was the station 6,852. I actually got a program from Karachi in Pakistan in Urdu that was listed before News Nation. Now, how long uh, has Chris Cuomo been perpetrating the fraud that he gets angry uh, when people call him Fredo, right? Right? A long time. Could we play that cut again when he was on Shelter Island? By the way, he was with his family, was with his wife, he was with his kids, he had a drink in his hand. Uh, place was packed. Uh, amazing, because if you've ever been to Shelter Island, it has one traffic light. One traffic light. And all of a sudden, this guy, you know, he starts talking to Fredo, and he takes umbrage to it. I thought that's who you were. Huh? No, punk-ass bitches from the right call me Fredo. My name is Chris Cuomo. I'm an anchor on CNN. Oh, you're much- Fredo is from the Godfather. He was a weak brother. And they use it as an Italian aspersion. Any of you Italian? Are you Italian? It's a f***ing insult to your people. It's an insult to your f***ing people. It's like the N-word for us. Is that a cool f***ing thing? Now, you would think that every time he's called Fredo, he'd be upset, right? I can't. I mean, you feel, wow, man, a hot-blooded Italian, you know, fit the stereotype. This guy has an anger management issue. Would you agree, Matt Blaze? You know, you don't want to mention Fredo to him. It'll set him off. It'll trigger him. Except when you're Curtis Sliwa, and you realize that Curtis Sliwa is not a punk, and Curtis Sliwa will turn you into his Maytag. Right, Chris? Remember when you were my partner for a month, and you had no opinions, and finally management said, hey, Chris, go back to TV, because this is talk radio. Got to have opinions, huh? This was Chris Cuomo sitting with me a few years ago. And notice how all of a sudden he doesn't mind being called Fredo. He actually was laughing about it. Boy, see, I've dubbed it La Cuomo Nostra, uh, that there is, a, there is a group of people, of politicos, who always hint that they might run but don't necessarily plunge all the way, and they are members of La Cuomo Nostra. <laughs> so who am I then, Fredo? Yes, exactly. So you better be careful that, they, that your brother Andrew doesn't kiss you on both cheeks and then all of a sudden they take you out into the middle of the lake and then, where's Chris? He kisses me plenty, but because he's a great big brother. I think that, in fairness, uh, 
to Andrew and really anybody who comes from a family of service, I think you got to judge everybody individually. Now, I bet you many of you out there said, come on. He came on with you and admitted he was Fredo, admitted he was part of the Cuomo Cosa Nostra crime family, which I've always called them. Remember, there was Mario Faccia Brutta Cuomo, King Cuomo I. Then there was Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II. And then there's their wartime consigliere, Joe Pococo. Now, Joe Pococo has just done six years in a federal camp for being corrupt for the Cuomo. Six years. He did time. He didn't give up the Cuomo's. He's loyal. In fact, when Mario passed to the hereafter, right here in Manhattan, I remember when uh, Andrew uh, gave the eulogy and he kept saying, Mario, Mario, is it? That's your dad. That's Pops. You know, that's your father. And he, he never says, my father, Pops, dad. And then he acknowledged that Joe Pacoco was closer to uh, Mario than either me or Fredo. In fact, he was, uh, he was the third son of Mario. Can I tell you the story about Joe Pacoco? Born, hatched in Rockland County, right? Ended up going to Wagner College in Staten Island overlooking New York Harbor when Mickey D's used to be down there. They closed Mickey D's near Stapleton Projects. It was that rough. And then all of a sudden he went to help Mario Faccia Bruta Como in his re-election as governor. And it was like all of a sudden they knew that they were meant for one another. It's like he should have been born a Como because he had larceny in his heart. And this guy would drive around in a muscle car, Pontiac GTO, and he had Louisville sluggers in the back. Some of them wood, some of them aluminum. And he would tell you if you were an elected official, hey, uh, let me try to convince you of the merits of what the governor's trying to do. And you would say, no, I don't want to hear that. Let me try to bribe you. No, you can't bribe me. Okay, let me open up the trunk of the car, get the freaking bat hit you in the kneecaps, and make your kneecaps flip around like it's a slot machine in A.C. No, 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 please, no, no. And now he's gone to the United States Supreme Court by saying, look, I ripped off the money for myself, for myself, right? Not for, not for Cuomo, for myself. It was a gratuity. And do you know that the nine... United States Supreme Court judges, you know why they will rule in his favor? Because they all take gifts. They all take gratuities. Yeah, all of those U.S. Supreme Court justices, whether they're conservative or liberal, they fly around the world. They get all kinds of gifts. They get all kinds of cash, honorariums. Yes, I was just lecturing in Dubai, the money laundering capital of the Persian Gulf and Middle East, and they gave me a sack full of money. So none of those justices are going to rule against Joe Pacoco because if they rule against Joe Pacoco, they have to rule against themselves because they, too, have the beak in their trough. But I've given you the life and times, the revisionism of the comeback Cuomo's and Joe Pacoco. But I also want to give props to Tish James, who's on the ropes because she covered up the sexual um, infidelities of her chief of staff, Ibrahim Khan. 
and didn't want it to get out before the general election. But she did something good, and I got to give her props because this is an industry, oh, my God. It goes back. In fact, you may have remembered him. In fact, they thought that he might become the first Jewish president of the United States. He's an assemblyman in, uh, in Albany, and he launched investigation into the senior citizen long-term home care industry. His name at the time was Andrew Stein, and that put him right on the map. Unfortunately, he got a little too full of himself. You know, he became Manhattan Borough President, beat Dinkins twice for Borough President. Yeah. And then said my father, Finkelstein, who owns the, the Law Journal and a lot of the weekly newspapers, he said, I'm going to become the first Jewish president of the United States. Andrew, you can't even chew gum and think at the same time. But you did a good thing by investigating the long-term nursing home care owners who are taking advantage of the elderly then, and they're doing it now. And on the line to discuss all that, we have Jeff Kuzman of KG Laws, a good friend of WABC, and has always been available to me whenever it's a nursing home crisis, which unfortunately, Jeff, there seem to be a lot of them. They never seem to be resolved. Can you help me with this particular one in terms of what Tish James has said, that they stole $18 million of our tax dollars to care for these uh, residents in the long-term care facilities? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Curtis. Uh, Good to speak with you. Yeah, so so she filed a lawsuit against one particular nursing home. But the funny thing is, is this is just the tip of the iceberg. What we're really showing is that this is the predominant business model of all these nursing homes. Uh, you know, they're, they're these for-profit nursing homes, they take, they take all the Medicare and Medicaid dollars, and that's earmarked to care for residents, and they use these various different schemes, which we can discuss, to actually take that money as what they call upfront profits, and it's a big problem. Seems like a lot of these nursing homes now, I remember when I was a kid in the 60s, they were like family-owned operations now they're almost like an LLC, a consortium. There's like 12, 13, 14 owners. Boy, that must really have become a lucrative business. Yeah, there's, there's all shell companies and, and uh, uh, straw companies, and that's really what was at the center of this particular case. It was a family that owns a nursing home, and, uh, you know, it, it's a regulated industry. So, so the government's supposed to want to make sure that the money that's being, that's being funneled to these nursing homes goes towards adequate staffing, proper equipment, et cetera, et cetera. So by law, they actually they can't take uh, – they have to ask permission of the Department of Health if they're going to take out cash out of the business, which is greater than 3% of their annual revenue for patient care. So how do they get around that? Well, they, they, they put the property in a you know, family member's name, uh, and they pay the family member rent. And they create a management company that's owned by some family members, and then they pay a management fee, et cetera, et cetera. And they're funneling all of this Medicare and Medicaid money to the family. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a big problem because there's an, you know, there's an absolute correlation you can see it, and, and the Centers for uh, Medicare and Medicaid Services, they, they track this. There's, a, there's an absolute correlation between staffing levels, appropriate staffing levels, and the quality of care. So if you're taking all the money and you're not hiring the nurses and the CNAs 
and the and the uh, yeah, and the appropriate staff, there is an absolute correlation to the the appropriateness of the care that's going to these residents. Now, Jeff Kajman of KG Law, uh, you remember in the lockdown and the pandemic of March of 2020, I was going out to a lot of these nursing homes, both throughout New York State and also throughout New Jersey. And although I was dealing specifically with the pandemic, I can't tell you how many of the families whose uh, elder family member was trapped in there at that time because they couldn't see them, they couldn't get out, uh, were telling me, Curtis... This is a problem, no doubt. But the bigger problem is all the money that they take in to care for the elderly and so much of it that never is used for the care of the elderly in a normal circumstance without the pandemic. Where are the checks and balances in Trenton? Where are the checks and balances in Albany or even with the federal government? Because it's our tax dollars, in this case, $18 million dollars. It's not $180. It's not $18,000. That should have stood out. That should have raised uh, raised uh, all kinds of alarms and bells and whistles. But unfortunately, it takes so many residents to ultimately suffer and die and for there to be complaints and lawsuits to finally for someone to wake up and say, hey, there's a real problem at this nursing home. And then you have to go in and do the forensic uh, analysis and take a look and, and 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 dig and dig and dig and find out what's going on. But it's it's a lot simpler than that. Really, quite frankly, the profit model for these nursing homes is to skimp as much as they can on patient care and maximize profit. And as long as you have that business model, residents are going to suffer. And it all came home to roost with COVID because that's where you really started to see it. Because when uh, COVID hit, these nursing homes were already understaffed. They didn't have the proper uh, protection equipment. They didn't have the appropriate quarantine facilities. They didn't have the uh, proper infection control protocols because they never spent the money. They put the money in their pocket instead. And that just compounded, compounded the devastation for the residents in these nursing homes. Now, I've had the benefit of uh, the identity as the guardian angel, the red beret, the red sateen jacket, and I have stopped at nursing homes in which I didn't know anybody in the nursing home. I didn't know any of the personnel or the owners or the operators. I'll just stop and walk in, and naturally people want to get into conversation with me. And then I tell a fib, a white lie, say, yeah, my Aunt Louise is on the fourth floor. Is it okay if I go visit? Oh, anything, Curtis. The higher you go in these nursing homes, Jeff, you walk into what I call Dante's Inferno. It's where... (laughs) It's where the people have dementia and Alzheimer's, and they wheel them out into the hallway. They're like vegetables. Nobody's looking after them. Nobody's caring for them. And then at the end of the day, they wheel them back into their rooms, and you say, oh, my God, no wonder why they don't want anybody to come behind these doors. It is sure. It is inhumane. Well, you're, there, there's residents that are crying and calling out for help and, uh, you know, people that are be- being left in, in bed and lying in their own urine and feces for, for, you know, hours and hours and hours on end. And all of that really comes from the fact that they're, they're not hiring enough staff. They're not using enough of the money that they're receiving from the government and earmarking that towards resident care. There's correlations, there's statistics that show that the, 
that the uh, that the amount of staffing per the amount of, of nursing care that's given to a patient per hour substantially raises the quality of care obviously for these for these residents so it doesn't have to be this way if the if these nursing homes were adequately staffed you wouldn't see the misery that you're seeing in these in these nursing homes it's greed unfortunately that's causing all of the most vulnerable of our of our citizens to suffer like this now there are some of these facilities uh top shelf five star very well run but there's a lot yeah. that are not if there's anybody out there listening that is in that kind of a dilemma with their family members or even friends or people they know who had worked and then all of a sudden they either had an injury that debilitated them or this growing problem of dementia and Alzheimer's, which uh, incapacitates them. How could they get more information from you, Jeff? Because um, I, I'm limited in, in what I can do other than visit a place. About but you, you're an expert. You deal with these matters uh, every day at KG Law. Sure, absolutely. Just just call me, um, and we'd be more than happy to talk to you, of course, you know, free consultation or, or what have you, or just give you information and try to, to guide you and help you. You could reach us at our office in the city. The telephone number is 212 2900, or you can reach out to us through the internet on our website, which is uh, www.kglawteam.com. Kglawteam.com. And I've worked with them for many years, ladies and gentlemen, going back to the pandemic and the lockdown. And I know there are so many of you out there, you, you have these lingering questions, and I'm limited. I can visit a location, you can contact me, and I can pass it on to Jeff, and I'd be more than happy. Uh, to visit a facility because it's almost like I have an easy pass. But once I spot the problem, I really can't do anything about it other than shed light on it and then obviously pass it off to uh, the fine people at KG Law and Jeff Gusman so that they can give it personal attention. So you see, we're not just talking about this uh, lingering problem that goes back to Andrew Stein when he was an assemblyman and he conducted those hearings but the same problems keep occurring again and again and again. And at least we're going to try to do something about those that exist now. 77 W-A-B-C. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Your love is fading. I feel it fading. Uh, your love is fading. I feel it fading. Your love is fading Woman, I feel it fading 
woman, woman, you touch, your touch has gone cold. Still someone else controls your very soul. I fooled myself long as I can. Can feel the presence of another man. I think a lot of uh, Trumpers are beginning to jump ship. I mean, first it was uh, the sanctimonious when uh, the former president decided to start attacking uh, DeSantis in Florida. And a lot of people said, no, 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 come on, leave DeSantis alone. Leave him alone. He's a good man. He's done a lot in Florida, freedom land. You know, if... Uh, if you're upset with him, concerned about him in the primary, then just beat him in a primary if he even decides to run. Because obviously Trump has declared that he will be running in the Republican uh, primaries to become the candidate to take on whoever the Democrats have to run for the presidency the next time around. I don't believe it will be Joe Biden. I mean, oh, my God. He'll be in those long-term nursing homes that we were just describing. He's like halfway there. But. I digress. So we had uh, the former president inviting uh, Kanye West, a.k.a. Yeezy, a.k.a. Yee-yay-yo, whatever he calls himself today, inviting him for lunch on the patio of Mar-a-Lago. Guess who is coming to lunch? Milo Yiannopoulos, a guy who, when uh, he was being interviewed by Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg at the old WABC, Two Penn Plaza, 17th floor, when Cumulus owned us, was gay. Uh, had just gotten married to a black guy. And, in fact, if memory serves me correct, Sid and Bertie actually went to the wedding. Now, all of a sudden, Milo Yiannopoulos swears that he's straight because he met... Uh... <laughs> you get... This is incredible. Oh, man. He met uh, a woman, and all of a sudden, he became straight. Now... Normally, I would say, sounds to me like she's your beard, right? But then again, the new rules of woke culture has told us on any given day, at any given moment, of any given uh, week, of any given uh, month, of any given year, if you, Matt Blaze, decide that you are going to be any one of 72 different sexual identities or gender identifications, we all must accept that. Asexual today, polyamorous tomorrow. You're having sex in the trees with people you don't even recognize. But then you're asexual the day before. I have to respect that. So Milo Yiannopoulos, I wonder why Sid Rosenberg has not called him up to come on the new Sid Rosenberg with Friends show, Monday through Fridays from 6 to 10. Huh? What is he? Forget Milo. Milo's lost. <laughs> And then, of course, it was little Nazi boy who showed up, Fuentes, you know, with his Make America Great red hat, who does not believe in the Holocaust and is the definition of what anti-Semitism is. Strike two, right? Strike two on Donald Trump. Even to the point where Sid Rosenberg was, like, beginning to vacillate. 
Well, let's let's do the next thing. One will give props to the former president, and one you'll scratch your head and then scratch your tuchus and say, this guy has lost it. First, let's talk about his battle over the years to not provide his tax returns when running for the presidency, and then to all the subpoenas he received from the House, the Senate, investigations, attorney generals. He said, it's none of your B.I.B. business. Well, finally, a House committee has received the Trump tax returns after the United States Supreme Court, including justices he appointed, said he's got to turn it over. He's got to turn it over to the House Ways and Means Committee, which has now formally received the President Donald Trump tax returns. And it harkens me back to Saturday Night Live when Dave Chappelle was doing the um, opening And most people focused on how he was uh, talking about how Kanye West, a.k.a. Yeezy, a.k.a. Yee-Yee-Yo, whatever he calls himself today, was flipping the script on anti-Semitism. But I actually liked how he was critiquing Donald Trump because he's from the heartland, Ohio, and he was saying, whoa, 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 all the things you attacked Donald Trump for, hold your horses, like on his taxes. No one ever heard someone say something that true. And then Hillary Clinton tried to punch him in the taxes. She said, this man doesn't pay his taxes. He shot right back. That makes me smart. (laughs) And then, if you want me to pay my taxes, then change the tax code. But I know you won't. Because your friends and your donors enjoy the same tax breaks that I do. And with that, my friends... The star was born. Absolutely correct. Remember how Hillary chastised him in the 2016 run-up to the election? And President Barack Obama said he's got to pay his, he's got to show his tax returns. He's got to. Ever since Richard Nixon, everybody has been uh, revealing what their tax returns were. And he said, no, I don't. Well, now we'll finally find out what's in those tax returns. But to be honest with you, I'm not concerned with that. I don't think most Americans, they know that Donald Trump (laughs) made a lot of money, paid a lot of taxes, and probably used every every bit of technology with the many accountants that he had hired to avoid paying some taxes because he was being gouged on other taxes. Now, you want to argue, did he pay his fair share? I think we can agree he paid a hell of a lot of money in taxes, okay? So let's table that argument. Dave Chappelle did a masterful job in explaining that because Hillary and Barack Obama and uh, Mitch McConnell swimming in that Kentucky bourbon would never change the tax codes because all of their contributors, whether they're contributing to a pack in which you have to reveal who you are or it's dark money in a pack in which nobody has to know who you are, Well, you're just making a straight-out contribution. The fact is, is that they're not going to change the tax codes for that reason. Not the Republicans, not the Democrats. But let's go to the bomb that he dropped tonight, actually earlier today, in which a lot of our our hosts and hostesses are going to have to make a decision because, man, now look, my bona fides here at WABC is, I was a never-Trumper before they even came up with the term. I was a rhino before they even came up with the term. Republican in name only. You all know that. I ran for mayor. 
and I had this uh, this pishya, this schmendrick, this person of no consequence, uh, Fernando Mateo, who had $2 million, and he spent it, and he basically became the Fernando Mateo Network here at WABC. Every five seconds, there was Lieutenant General Flynn, and Curtis Lee was a rhino. He's a never-Trumper. You can't vote for him. you got to vote for Fernando Mateo. He is a de Blasio Republican. Well, he didn't say that. I did. And I crushed that son of a you-know-what. Never conceded 70% to 30%. And I know there were a lot of people who were Trumpers who took umbrage to that and did not vote for me. And you know something? I was always honest about it. I always said, hey, look. I had a 30-year relationship with Donald Trump, the citizen, a love-hate relationship. Sometimes we loved each other. Other times we went to war. I'll never forget, we were in the uh, 69th Street Armory, the Upper East Side. We were receiving the New York State Conservative Party Awards that year. Donald showed up in his tux, and naturally I showed up in my red sateen jacket and my red beret. And Donald said, what are you doing here, Curtis? And I said, what are you doing here? He goes, you're no conservative, Curtis. And I said, I'm not. But hell, I may not be conservative, but you're like ultra-liberal. And at that time, Donald Trump was. I mean, he was pro-choice. He was gun control. He was the ultimate New Yorker. He was not going to rock the boat because he had a business. And then all of a sudden, like everybody who wants to run for the Republican nomination to become president, they're pro-choice, and they must be pro-life. They have an epiphany. And he had his epiphany. And then all of a sudden, he was Second Amendment. He he took over for Charlton Heston. (sighs) Remember Charlton Heston at the NRA convention? You'll have to pry this gun out of my cold, dead hands. That became Donald Trump. Okay. They do it all the time, the Republicans. Mike Humbadici, Trudy Giuliani, remember, pro-gay, right? Pro-choice, gun control. What happened, Rudy? Well, it's not running for mayor any longer. All right, I'll put that aside. Chris Christie, Shabu, El Jefe, Chris Christie, pro-choice. No, I'm running for president. I'm pro-life. They all do it. Oh, the best one. Wait, the best one. 1988. It's Ronald Reagan, a true conservative, running for the Republican nomination against Bush 41. Remember, Bush 41 said, Reagan is voodoo economics. I'm pro-choice. Reagan is pro-life. So it comes down to the convention because Ronald Reagan has won enough of the primary votes to receive the nomination. And all of a sudden, Gerald Ford, who had just uh, finished being the president, said, I'll tell you what, how about a co-presidency? I'll be the vice president, but we all know we can't trust Ronald Reagan, not with the nuclear football. I'll carry the nuclear football. We'll be co-presidents. Ronald Reagan said, hell no. And all of a sudden, those surrounding Ronald Reagan come to, came to him, his confab from Sacramento in California, and said, who do you want as your vice president? He said, Laxalt in Nevada. Not the Laxalt who just won and lost, his father. And they said, that's two electoral votes. That's nothing. We need electoral votes if you're going to be elected president of the United States against a sitting president, Jimmy Carter. Okay, what do we do? Bush 41, Texas. No, never. Nancy will never go for that. And then all of them say, well, what would he have to do for you to change your mind, Ronnie? He'll have to become pro-life. Okay, we'll visit him in his hotel room. They visited uh, Bush 41, and naturally Barbara was there, and all the Bushes, you know, the 
more bushes and you can count on both fingers. Said we are here on behalf of the Republican presidential nominee, Ronald Reagan. He has an offer. You can refuse it. In fact, he's hoping you do because Nancy is going to kick his ass. If you become pro-life, you can become the vice president. Barbara Bush looked at Bush 41 and said, I wear the pants in this family. We're going to have to have a discussion. They leave. They close the door. Eight hours later, phone rings in Reagan's hotel room. Wow, it's Bush 41. Ronnie, I just had an epiphany. I prayed with Barbara, and God spoke to us, and now I'm pro-life. They're all hypocrites. Why did I tell that story? (laughs) Oh, Trump, Trump. Okay. So now, Trumpers, oh, boy. This is going to be tough for Sid in the morning. Boy, wow, this is really out there. I mean, when I read this, because he put it out on his own thread. You know, remember he said, Elon Musk was now saying, you know, they're going to try to kill me, assassinate me. Sounded like Howard Hughes. We'll get to that momentarily. Very eccentric. But anyway, remember, Elon said, welcome back to Twitter, right? Come on, Trump. Trump thought about it all the four four hours, right, and said, thank you, but no thank you, because I have my own, my own way of getting information out to everybody, and I appreciate the offer. Then he put it out on Truth Social Post. I, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> In fact, let the CNN guy say it as he is interviewing the brand-new Republican conservative candidate who became the uh, congressman in Mid-Hudson against Maloney. Oh, God, he was horrible Maloney. I I want you to hear it. I I can't even say it. You're going to think I'm prejudiced against Trump. You already do. Listen, listen. Congressman-elect, what is your reaction to Donald Trump calling for the termination of the U.S. Constitution? Well, obviously, I don't support that. Uh, The Constitution is set for a reason, uh, to protect the rights uh, of every American. And so I certainly don't uh, endorse uh, that language or uh, that sentiment. Uh, I think the question for everyone is uh, how we move forward. (laughs) Congressman Lawler, I've known him for years. I've had a love-hate relationship with him, but I did everything I could to support him against Maloney, that was a great victory. But notice, notice Matt Blaze, notice, Ken, how tepid Lawler was with that. Because he's probably saying in his head, Donald Trump said what? He called for the termination of the Constitution of the United States? What the hell is Mark Levin going to do at night six to nine? His whole show is about the Constitution. At times, he actually reads from the Constitution, right? Does this mean Mark Levin has to say, oh, Donald Trump said, no more Constitution, out the window it goes. Oh, boy, I'm going to be listening intently to Mark Levin. I know Mark Levin right now is saying, what the hell am I going to do with this now? What's Sid Rosenberg going to do, right, in the morning? Remember, all of his uh, fair-weather friends are jumping ship now that his program is called Big Big full-page uh, ad that John and Margot Katsimatidis and Chad Lopez put in uh, Sunday's New York Post. Beautiful ad. Sid Rosenberg and friends. What about me? I'm on like once a week on Thursday mornings. I'm a foe. 
How about Sid Rosenberg, friends and one foe, Curtis Lewa, who's trying to stop Rudy Giuliani from having that dinner with Eric Adams. We'll talk about that later on. Beautiful ad, though. Beautiful ad. So that's the rename of the morning show starting in just a few hours. What the hell is Sid going to say? He's actually, he's like, he's sticking with Trump. He's sticking with Trump. I mean, look. Congressman Peter King was the first to jump and swim towards my tugboat, the SS Never Trumper, swimming to me, the rhino. The fact is that uh, Donald Trump, the candidates, he selected for the Senate. Almost all these guys lost. That's true. No, you're right. I'm just, then, ki- I'm just kidding with you. Listen, yeah. he was an excellent president. I voted for him. I supported him. But the fact is that I think people are getting tired of that. And I think the fact that Ron DeSantis won such a big race in, in Florida. I mean, he only won by like a half a point four years ago. God, and Peter King didn't even know that Trump called for the termination of the Constitution. Boy, I know it's no calls. The Trumpers out there, they're like stymied. They're like, this is like you hit them with a cattle prod, right? And they're, they're stunned. Stunned. What the hell are we going to say now? Trump wants to do away with the U.S. Constitution. And remember, he never drinks. Remember, he's a teetotaler. He does not smoke, and he doesn't do drugs. Um. Trump calls for the termination of the U.S. Constitution on his Truth Social post. Uh, I don't want to say I was right. I don't want to say I had a premonition that he was going to go over the edge. But then again, you savaged me for years. You never Trump or you rhino. You dirty son of a you-know-what. Say, look. I've had legitimate differences with Trump. I've praised him, but I've also attacked him. And then what is uh, Sid going to do in the morning? Because his very dear friend, uh, Bo Dito, remember, oh, I'm Trump, uh, I'm a Trump. Look, I got the tattoo here. Look, Donald Trump is God. Whether you like it or not, Sid, I know you're a big Donald Trump supporter. I know him a lot longer than you. I know him for 40 years. His condescending, his narcissistic ways are the things that people hate even in the Republican Party. Now you go to DeSantis. You want to knock DeSantis? He delivered Miami-Dade, was totally Democrat. He was able to get to them because he's a good manager. He managed that state wonderful. You've got a president in there. We talked about it yesterday. The Secretary of State Blinken, fool. Lloyd Austin, fool. You have uh, Alexandria or whatever hell his name. Butchin, Janet Yellen, Merrick Garland. He put a bunch of fools in there. It's like running a business. DeSantis can run a business, and he doesn't have that other side of him where people dislike. We have to get a moderate in there. You don't understand. So many of my Republican friends, which who are loyal to Donald Trump, hate his guts. What is Sid Rosenberg going to do? Donald Trump calls for the termination of the United States Constitution. And you know who's swimming up and down the Jersey Shore now doing the Australian crawl? The breaststroke, the backstroke, so joyous. Shabu! El Jefe! Chris Christie! And it's, it's a huge loss for, for Trump. And again, it shows that his political instincts are not about the party. They're not about the country. 
They're about him. So there's one litmus test. If you say the 2020 election was stolen, I'm with you. And if you don't, I'm not. And your qualifications or your ability to win don't enter the evaluation. You see, it never, it never pays to make fun of Shamu El Hefe, Chris Christie, who Trump sent out during the middle of the campaign in Columbus, Ohio, to McDonald's to order fish fillets, a Diet Coke, and supersized fries. And when Shamu El Hefe, Chris Christie, came back to the tarmac to get on the um, jet, the Trump jet, he had eaten half the food. And Trump said to him, where the hell is all the Mickey D's? He said, I got hungry on the way. I don't want to repeat what then-candidate Donald Trump said back in 2016 before he won unexpectedly the presidency of the United States. In fact, Hillary is still in a fetal position there at Jacob Javits Center going, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And then Candace Owens, right? She's sticking with Kanye West. Yeezy, yay, yo, whatever he is today. She's sticking with him. And Donald Trump, who made her, right, made her, did podcasts with her. He didn't have to do that. Listen to how quickly she's jumping ship and becoming an ever-Trumper and a rhino. During a golf session with some mutual friends of ours, had a person next to him who was egging this on, saying to Trump, and I know this because, again, this is a mutual friend, aren't you mad at Candace? Aren't you mad at Candace? Aren't you mad at Candace? And eventually he was like, yeah, I'm so mad at Candace. I'm so mad at Candace. And this got back to me that he was upset with me, that he was angry at me. And the next time that I saw him, he was quite rude to me. He was actually rude to me. I'm telling you this personal story because I think it is something that made me for the first time question him as a person. So you have an individual that spent years defending you, right? And that individual gave you a completely kind and fair interview. You said something yourself that your base didn't like, and you somehow transformed that into something that I did wrong. What is wrong with you, lady? He created the vaccines that have saved millions of lives, and you wanted him on your podcast to denounce the very thing that saved millions of lives. Because it's all about Candace Owens. It's not about what's best for America. I mean, look, without Trump, millions of people would have died around the world. We'd still be waiting for the vaccine, or we'd be using the red Chinese vaccine or the Putin vaccine. Yeah, that really worked. What a, what a yenta. What a diva. And then, yes, our callers here for years were hardcore Trumpers, but even they are beginning to turn on the Donald. In the end, in the end, Donald Trump is about Donald Trump. He chooses candidates which have failed, and he's going to come through on November 14th and run again and put his face in front of everybody on this Georgia election and harm us yet again. And he ought to go build a building or a golf course or do whatever he does and get the hell out of politics. The hell, he hasn't gotten involved in a Georgia election in the runoff. We saw Barack Obama, right? We're going to be talking about that during the Missing in Action Frank Morano show, the worst side of the other side of midnight from 1 to 5, because he hasn't shown up, so that means I'm going to have to do it. Oh, we're getting into the whole Herschel Walker uh, Warnock. You think Herschel Walker is a loony kazuni? I got cuts of uh, Reverend Warnock talking about chopping off people's heads and snakes' heads. Woo!
And, of course, Mr. Smooth was there, the smooth operator, Barack Obama. You didn't see Biden, and Trump, to his credit, did not go there, right? I mean, it's over, right? They're early voting. The election is Tuesday. And, by the way, if you noticed, more early voting than ever before with all these repressive measures that were imposed on voters by the evil Republicans that caused the boycott, remember, of the Major League Baseball All-Star game that was supposed to be at Braves Stadium. Chop, chop. Thank God they've kept the name Atlanta Braves. Wow. Hey, look, at least you knew I was a never-Trumper early on. I was a rhino. I didn't vote for Hillary. I didn't vote for (laughs) Joe Biden. I went independent. I voted for myself one time. Boy, I wonder how many votes I got in that. Probably more votes than I got running for mayor of the city of New York, right? You think? But anyway, look at this. Let let me read it to you because I know a lot of you. Oh, my God, I can't believe this. It's his post on his platform. Truth Social, right? Isn't that the name of his... uh, In fact, he could have gone back on Twitter. He said, no, thank you, uh, Elon Musk, but uh, no thank you. Quote, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner, all in caps, or do you have a, all in caps, new election? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Wow. Our great founders, this is, quote, did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. So in order, first of all, you got to be delusional to think that all of us, you're right, we're going to put you back into office. Joe, go home to the basement in Delaware. Like, Come on. We're not going anywhere until I'm put back into the present. Ain't happening. This guy's obsessed with this. And I know some of you Trumpers out there will say, he's right. He's right. Well, I noticed that Lachlan Murdoch is getting grilled in that lawsuit by Dominion and Smartmatic. Uh-oh. The walls are closing in on that. So... I would suggest, rather than keep talking about the election was stolen, let's just move on. Let's just have a new election. Put all the provisions you want in place to guarantee that most of it will be fair and square, because there's always some corruption in elections. Can I read this again, Matt, please? This is his own handwriting. Quote, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out? You can't, Donald. And declare the rightful winner, rightful winner, all in caps. Ding, ding. Or do you have a, all in caps, new election? Yeah, new election. When is it? Let's see, like two years from now, right? (laughs) A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution, unquote. Quote, our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. Unquote. Wow. 
Well, I'm going to be listening intently to WABC, more so than I normally do. Starting in the morning. Now, to his credit, Sid Rosenberg has been a brick. He stayed with Trump, even though Sid Rosenberg and Friends, which is the new show title name, the Friends have abandoned ship. They're swimming towards me, and I'm telling him, drown. I got no life rafts. I got no lifeboats. You're not capsizing the SS Never Trumper and uh, the, the USS Rhino, right? Then what about Brian? Brian, who does uh, Brian Kill Me 10 to 12. Well, he's pretty much, you know, let's face it, Murdoch said, throw him under the bus. Okay, under the bus. We used to have Trump on 24-7. Oh, he was raped. Now, Murdoch said, get rid of him. It's over. Trump who? Then, let's see, uh, O'Reilly. Well, it'll be interesting to see what O'Reilly does, 12 to 12, 15. But then again, O'Reilly is on for a full hour at night, 9 to 10. Uh, my feeling is he's going to dance around this. He's going to condemn Trump for saying this, but he's not going to cut and run. You already know me, 12, 15 to 1. Oh, Greg Kelly? He's the guy who said, if Trump goes out into Fifth Avenue and shoots somebody, I saw nothing. To Greg Kelly, Trump can do no wrong. He is the ultimate super mega man, right? No doubt about it. Trump never did anything wrong. Uh, excuse me, Greg. The former president of the United States just passed gas at a uh, party that he had there in Maryland. Impossible. A perfect man like that would never pass gas. So that's Greg Kelly. Oh, and then James Golden, right? Well, no, we know Rudy. Rudy took a bullet for Trump. He'll take another bullet. He is as loyal as loyalty defines in Webster's Dictionary, James Golden. Well, this will be interesting. And so he's been very hardcore supporting Trump, James Golden. I wonder what him and, what is that, Princess Di are going to say? Hey, they're hardcore Trumpers. I'm listening. I'm listening four to five. Then naturally, the roundtable discussion, all the different Democrats, Republicans uh, on what they have to say, I can pretty much predict it. And then... Clear the deck. Mark Levin, Mr. Constitution, who right now is saying in his uh, missile silo, what the hell am I going to do about this? Rita Cosby from 10 to 12, she's always been a solid Trumper. I don't know about this. Dominic Carter, to his credit, he was the first person ever to predict at WABC. They're all now revisionists. Oh, I predicted Trump would be president. No, 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 no. Dominic Carter came back from a Trump rally in Uniondale at the old Nassau County Coliseum. He said Trump is going to be president. Everybody looked at him. Get out of here. All of a sudden, they're all saying, I predicted he'd be president. Liar. Wow. And what about Frank Morano? He's the ultimate Trumper, right? Well, first we got to find out where he is, that deadbeat, gold brick, slacker. He's missing in action. We've heard nothing from him. So guess what? I'm eating up, I'm eating up his talk time from one to five. No doubt about it. He may never get it back. Would he go down with the ship, the SS Trump? I mean, I remember when Frank Morano. Went up to Trump Tower long before there was ever consideration of Trump running for the presidency. 
And he and some other Republicans, if I remember correctly, there was um, City Councilman, I think Joe Borelli. There was Nicole Maliatanka. She was Assemblywoman then. Roger Stone, others. Uh, they were trying to convince him to run uh, as a Republican candidate, conservative candidate, against Andrew Evilize Cuomo, King Cuomo II. And then Roger Stone said, Donald, what do you want to run for governor for? You could be president. And everybody in that room, including Frank Morano, said, no, you can't be president. Become governor. Then you run for president. Roger Stone said, no. You can be president. I've been telling you this, Donald, for years. And that's exactly true. The first person ever to whisper in Donald Trump's ears and then say it publicly over and over is Roger Stone. And remember, you don't want to mess with Roger Stone. He knows where all the bullets are buried and who buried him. Recently, he was in uh, Memphis to do a TV show for the Pillow Guy. And an 18-wheel tractor trailer just happened to T-bone his SUV with his security and driver in it and continue on. It was right before Thanksgiving. Then he had a meeting with uh, Donald in Mar-a-Lago. And he said, Donald... This is DeSantis. Yeah, DeSantis. He's from the same town that produced Rudy Giuliani's grandparents. Yeah. The war is on. WABC. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. This is the call to Roger Stone, the ultimate rebel. Last night he dancing, came dancing to my door. Last night he did a painting, came pumping on my floor. She said, come baby, got a license for love. And if it expires, pray help me. Where's Frank Morano in the midnight hour? Missing in action. You leave for a minute, an hour, a day, a week, a month, and I'm going to take your talk time, and you ain't getting it back. None of you! Well, let me mention Elon Musk, who is a hero to so many of you, and to me, he's... Well, when you're rich, you're eccentric. When you're a regular guy growing up in the neighborhood, uh, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. You're ubats. You're titched. You know, but hey, when you're wealthy, oh, no, no, you're eccentric. So Elon Musk says he faces quite a significant risk of being assassinated. Uh, let me take you back circa 1992. Ross Perot is ahead 
in the general election in the polls against Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. I'm going to stand by my man, but he was damaged. And Bush 41, who was too busy looking at his uh, Rolex watch, when can I get out of this debate? Right? Remember that? He was on his way to win, and then he said, no, you know what's happening. The black pajama-clad Viet Cong were running through my backyard. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta leave the campaign. This is a Republican trickster plot of Bush forty-one. Then he came back. Remember, he came back. Said, hey, all is forgiven. All is forgotten. Oh, we love you, Perot. Hey, I was the first guy to sign his petition in New York at Grand Central Station. I was a Peronista. No, no, no. That's uh, that's Argentina. That's that's Madonna. You know, no, no, no. I was supporting Ross Perot. And then, remember, all of a sudden, he started doing well in the polls again. And then he left He left the race again. Why? Because he said, Bush 41 and his dirty tricks is Roger Stone. Superimposed a picture, remember, the wedding picture of his daughter. And he has to leave. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. He could have been president. Right? And then... Who was his vice president, right? Remember? The admiral? What am I doing here? Who are you? Gosh, you know, I don't know who was worse, Carl Palladino running for governor or the admiral as the vice presidential candidate for Ross Perot. Where's the men's room? He's like Joe Biden, remember back then, running for vice president. And, and he could have won. Ross Perot could have won. Well, here's Elon Musk saying he faces quite a significant risk of being assassinated, probably by all of his exes. I know what that feeling is like. But, you know, when I look at Elon Musk, you know who I think of? I think of a guy in his own era who was very similar in a lot of ways. You know who I'm talking about? You wouldn't know, Ken. You know, you're a student to begin with, and you, well, you're the fugitive, uh, Matt Blaze, and you wouldn't know. But here's a guy that I followed his life towards the end when he really became freaky deaky. Although he was very wealthy, very eccentric, but a schoolboy. Howard Hughes. Remember Howard Hughes, right? Let's see, Howard Hughes, a business magnate, pilot, engineer, film producer, philanthropist. Oh, that's Elon Musk is not a philanthropist. I don't think he's given two nickels to any charity. Remember, he was a film tycoon? So equate film with Twitter now, right? Because owning Twitter is like having a film a day. You're putting out everybody's videos and responses. And then, look, Elon Musk is in aviation, right? He's shooting rockets uh, up in the air like he just doesn't care. He's delving with artificial intelligence. He's putting little chips into uh, monkeys' brains, which drive my wife nuts. We'll be talking animal welfare coming up in this hour. Then remember, he had that fatal crash of the world's largest airplane ever, the Sikorsky, which was supposed to transport gazillions of tons of cargo. Got a fat contract from the United States government. Man, he did the bird with that money like Elon Musk did. Remember when he got the Cuomo billions in Buffalo to all of a sudden deliver products that, eh, we can't do that. Solar panels. Remember solar panels? Where are the solar panels, Elon Musk? Billion dollars going. And remember, he was El Romantico. You remember Howard Hughes, boy? That guy was into chicks. 
If I remember correctly, I don't remember there was Petty Davis. There was Yvonne DiCarlo. You remember Yvonne DiCarlo? There was Ava Gardner. There was Olivia de Havilland. There was Catherine Hepburn. There was Hedy Lamar, Ginger Rogers, Janet Lee, And he proposed to Joan Fontaine seven times. But she was smart enough to say, no, because you are crazy, make that eccentric. And then remember his political connections were to Richard Nixon and Watergate, Howard Hughes. Who is Elon Musk now politically connected to? The GOP. And then all of a sudden he had this physical and mental decline in which he suffered from, I guess what they called it, obsessive-compulsive disorder. That's Elon Musk, right? You notice how he takes pictures of all these little tchotchkes on the bureau of wherever he's copping his squat that night? Cuckoo! And you always ate the same thing for dinner. A New York strip steak, cooked medium rare, dinner salad and peas, but only the smaller ones, pushing the larger ones aside. For breakfast, he wanted his eggs cooked the way his family cook Lily made them. And he had a phobia about germs. Remember how wacky Howard Hughes was about germs? Sort of like uh, Howard Stern with germs, right? I'm not coming out. I'm staying out here in the Hamptons. And boy, was he wealthy. And I remember they bought the Desert Inn in Vegas, and he never came out of it. In fact, eventually they discovered his drapes had not been opened during the time he lived there and had rotted right through. And remember, he wanted ice cream delivered to him each and every day, pints of ice cream that he would then hoist up, you know, with a gurney. He would hoist it up. And then you know what he would lower? He would lower milk bottles with his urine in it. And then the few people who ever got a chance to see him, he had long hair and nails that were all curled out. Yeah, it's going to be Elon Musk, man. Absolutely. The moment I hear people say, oh, you know, I'm ripe for assassination every day, I think right away, Howard Hughes and Ross Perot. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Oh, but he's rich. He's eccentric. He owns Twitter. He will save free speech and democracy. No, he won't. Come on. We've seen this before. The Mashiach of of free speech. If it was purely free speech, Kanye West, a.k.a. Easy, yo, ya, whatever he is today, he'd still be on Twitter, right? That's free speech. But he said it's not his speech. He posted a picture of a Nazi swastika in the symbol of the Jewish faith, the Star of David. That's it. You're not banned. You're just suspended. We're putting you on the shelf. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have taken you on a trip. This is like the Twilight Zone. I've showed you what it will be like in the future for Elon Musk. Think how it used. I've showed you what Donald Trump is talking about now, suspending the Constitution so that he can be put back into office as President of the United States. And I'm wondering what all of my colleagues are going to do here at WABC, especially our constitutional scholar, Mark Levin, who's going, Oh, my God, Mr. Producer, 
What the hell am I going to say now? Talk Radio 77 WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oh, it's me. Nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. Oh, French Montana, right? That's right, Cokehead. What is he? Coke Boy Records. He owns the label, hangs out with the swagger man with no plan. Is he back? Is he back yet from Qatar? Eric Adams? Nobody's ratting him out yet. I have little minions who are over at the Club Zero Bond, the private club that he's always hanging out at with French Montana, Coke Boy, and Ja what is that, 100 guns, 100 clips, and I'll shoot up this place if you give me a chance. Yeah, that, 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 nice nice group of people that uh, the mayor hangs out with because he's mentoring them, right? He's mentoring them. You know what I was thinking? You know, he's looking for a rat czar, right? And he likes to give everybody a second chance, or at least that's his excuse for hanging out with the worst elements of society. How about Sammy the Bull Gravano? As the rats are, right? What bigger rat is there than Sammy the Bull Gravano, right? He eats the Parmesan cheese. Uh, he's proud of it. I mean, what? 120000 170000 Hire Sammy the Bull Gravano and give him a second chance. He's a great executioner. How many people did he kill? Uh, not 16 that we know of. And let's face it. He's an executioner of human beings. What a great exterminator he would be of rats, four-legged ones. And if uh, Eric Adams, she needed a two-legged rat in your administration, whacked, he might dust off his dust off his toolie. Yeah, you're all the way up, French Montana, cokehead, coke boy. What the hell is the mayor hanging out with him for? But anyway, I digress. Let's go to the phones. It's Judy in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Judy. Hi. Um, the media reminds me of trolls on Facebook. Uh, first of all, it was hard to find the tweet, and I found it. Trump did not say that. He did not say, I think he misspelled instead of saying. If he had said aloud, it would have been read differently because it was, if it was a massive fraud, it did allow determination of all the rules, including the Constitution. That's all he's saying. Now, Judy, Judy, you're a supporter, and and obviously I respect you for that. You're not jumping off uh, the SS Trump like so many others who were supporters of her. But maybe you could convince him that he shouldn't be messing with the Constitution at all, Judy. That, that... He didn't say he was messing with the Constitution. Well, well. He just mentioned, and which is true, if, that, if they allowed fraud, it was a termination of the Constitution. All right, but Judy, he Judy. Say, he, wait, let me finish. And he didn't say that he wanted the Constitution terminated so he can be reinstated. And he doesn't say that. And plus, he hasn't come out and said anything personally. So why is everybody jumping the bandwagon or on it or off it or whatever they're doing before they hear what the man has to say? All right, 
right, but Judy, do you think maybe he should just forget 2020 and focus on 2024? It's over. No, no, because they still doing it. So why should he? And then in 2024, they'll be doing the same thing, and he's supposed to keep his mouth shut? Yes, keep a, keep, keep a focus on it. I'll tell you what, I, I, I accept your interpretation. I'm just going to read it again, because there are a lot of people who do not have an account with tr- Truth Social. Remember, this is the way that Trump communicates with the world now. He was offered to get back on Twitter, and he said, no, I have my own method. Thank you, Elon Musk, but I'll use Truth Social. I'm going to read it again. These are quotes. This is him. Nobody else. Quote. Do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out, and out is all in capitals, and declare the rightful winner, rightful winner is all in capitals, or do you have a new election, all in capitals, question mark? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Unquote. Then he goes on to say, quote, our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections, unquote. And he's got to get over this. That election is over. There is no recourse. It's over. He's announced he's running for the presidency and he has a very good chance of winning the Republican primaries. But there won't be any do-over of 2020. There won't be. The Supreme Court is not going to intervene. They already said, ixnay, no. The guy is obsessed with this. I am going to wait with bated breath. Not for Sid Rosenberg. He's not a constitutional expert. Neither am I. Not for Brian Kilmeade. He's not a constitutional expert. Not for Bill O'Reilly. He's not a constitutional expert. Greg Kelly, well, we know. Greg Kelly will say, he's absolutely right. Whatever Trump says, he's absolutely right. Greg Kelly will find something to agree with Trump on this. And that's okay. He's been consistent. And you know Michael Baticich, Rudy, he'll take a bullet for Trump. He's been the most loyal. Look, they raided his apartment April of 2021. They took everything out. I remember they said to me, don't accept his endorsement. Don't. That was right in May when I announced. I said, what are you kidding? This guy's the greatest mayor ever. One has nothing to do with the other. Oh, this will hurt you, Curtis. I said, I'm more likely to hurt myself. Rudy is not going to hurt me. I'll hurt myself. It's the greatest mayor we ever had. Don't don't have anything to do with it. Then all of a sudden, what did the uh, U.S. attorney for the Southern District say? We put it before a grand jury, no bill of goods. That's loyalty, man. You're in a war. You want Rudy in your trench. You don't want Peter King, Bo Dito, Shamu, El Jefe, Chris Christie. Man, he'll consider himself a Navy SEAL. He'll be out there in the Atlantic Ocean going up and down from Wildwood to Point Pleasant. Rudy's Rudy's a brick. Then the question is James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly in the Rush Hour. 
It's going to be tough for him. And a 5 o'clock roundtable discussion led by our owner-operator, great talk show host in his own right, John Katsimatidis. And then, clear the deck. Six to nine. You must listen. It's appointment radio. He has established himself on WABC and the Fox News Channel, especially Sundays, when he sits and holds court. It's the most highly rated Fox show on the weekends. The constitutional scholar, Mark Levin. I got to believe right now, in his uh, missile silo, wherever he is, Virginia, his primary residence, or Florida, where he spends some time, he's down in his missile silo (laughs) saying, what the hell am I going to do now? This is a freak show. I mean, I'm Mr. Constitution. Wake up. (sighs) And I know he's got a pipeline to the former president in Mar-a-Lago. I have a feeling Mark is not going to use that that red phone. He's not going to talk to him. He is a great intellect. He's a great talk show host. But he's he's got a fear. <laughs> you know, I think maybe tomorrow, 6 o'clock. I'm for DeSantis. It's over. Donald, you were a great president. Time to retire. Play shuffleboard. Joe Biden, retire to Delaware. Play shuffleboard. Out with the old, in with the new. That's right. I said it. Yeah, I, I, look, Mark, that's what I've been saying. Out with the old, in with the new. This is all this Michigan. This is, this is, this is crazy train stuff. Both what Biden does every day and what Trump is saying, like every day. First it was the sanctimonious. Okay, strike one. Then it's, hey, let's have lunch, Kanye. You love Hitler? You love Nazis? I'll talk you out of it. Hey, by the way, who's this little guy here? Oh, that's Fuentes. That's Nazi boy. What? And now this, calling for the termination of the Constitution on his truth social thread in order for him to be installed as the President of the United States because he's still saying that the election was stolen from him. He's turning into that uncle, you know, that comes <laughs> to the holiday meal, Thanksgiving, Christmas. You say, okay, uncle, tell us what it was like in World War One, right? Okay, we honor you, we respect you, and we certainly do, Donald Trump. There were many things that he did that were great. The vaccine saved millions and millions of lives when nobody else would or could. So even if he falls apart now, and it looks like he's moving in that direction, thank you, Donald Trump, for easy passing and fast-tracking those vaccines that saved millions and millions of lives here and all over the world. And Dr. Fauci, F you, wherever you are. Huh? Right? Hey, right, that's fair. Oh, yeah, Animal Welfare Hour up next. Oh, don't mention Dr. Fauci and him torturing beagles in Tunisia to my wife, Nancy. She wants to kill him. 77 WABC. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. 
St. Francis of Assisi's, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Oh, oh, yes. Little breaking news here. If you don't mind, Nancy, we'll get into all the animal welfare issues, but this is really good news. I had supported this uh, Democrat. Councilman in Brooklyn, Ari Kagan, I went out, I helped raise money for him. I spoke at his fundraisers, and people said, no, no, you can't do that. I said, no, he's a he's a good soul. He's a good guy. And he is announcing as of tomorrow that he is leaving the Democratic Party and he is becoming a Republican. So he will leave being a Democratic City Council person of that area in South Brooklyn and become a Republican and challenge, you're going to like this, Nancy, Brooklyn Councilman Justin Brannon. Oh, I do like that. And let me say one thing on this. This is also so good when our very dear friend, Lester Chang, who worked so hard and won the election as the assemblyman in Brooklyn in Bensonhurst, Borough Park, Sunset Park, uh, and Dyker Heights, Beat this guy uh, 36 years, oh, man, who actually said to Lester, a a war hero, when he was campaigning at a 9-11 commemoration, hey, Lester, don't you think it's a little early to be wearing your Halloween costume? Wow, Abate. This is good news. Nancy, this is good news. We got to fight for Lester Chang. There's a rally for him. He won fair and square on Fort Hamilton Parkway on Tuesday. And the announcement of Ari Kagan that he is becoming a Republican, and he will be taking on Brooklyn Councilman Justin Brandon, who has pretended to be an animal rights activist. Uh, I know that's what's in his resume and portfolio. But can you explain to the audience what he did in his very powerful position in the city council in terms of the New York City shelter system? Uh, yeah, so he's uh, he's like the head of the animal committee. So, you know, again, like uh, they, they have different committees that focus on different things. So, I mean, this really is what he's supposed to be doing, and he oversees the running of the New York City shelter systems. So they put forward a contract, um, the Animal Care and Control, because technically they're a management company. They run the shelter system, and they've had a, a horrific record. So what happened was when they were coming up for um, renewal and they were reviewing how poor the contract had been administered, uh, unfortunately they decided to go ahead and renew the contract for 34 years, which is unheard of. Yeah, imagine all that money. Basically, uh, it's like – it's almost like uh, the contracts that we've seen with some baseball players, like we saw with DeGrom, who's now going to play for the Texas Rangers for the uh, Yankees. It's not Matt Yang, the Mets. A guaranteed five-year contract worth uh, almost $200 million. So even if he falls in the shower and gets injured, he's guaranteed the money. 
And so basically, these people would be guaranteed the money for how many years? Well, the contract's for 34 years. So, yeah, so basically they're guaranteed the job of um, administering the shelter system on behalf of the city. But the problem is uh, too many of the taxpayers are unhappy with the way that's being done. So, again, this would be something that, I mean, this is, uh, you know, pretty much an official saying, I don't want to put any more time and attention into reviewing what's going on here, so I'm going to put it on autopilot for this long and not pay attention to it. And they've already been called out because they are doing such a poor job. So, I mean, this is just like a total slap in, in the face to all the people who've been working really hard to bring so much attention to what's going on at the shelter system. And as many exposés has happened, as many people have lost their jobs because they've spoken up, and then to just say, oh, no, well, we're going to keep them in for 34 years. It's it's ridiculous. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll set up a meeting with uh, Ari Kagan. Again, I got a lot of heat. I supported him as a Democrat running for city council because I knew he was a good man. Forget the party identification. And to get him on board, because if he can take out Councilman Justin Brandon from the Bay Ridge area, we can then push for no-kill shelters because it's Brandon who stands in the way of the no-kill shelters, which you have fought for, I have fought for, our owner and operator, John Katsimatidis, who was part of his platform, first-ever candidate to advocate for no-kill shelters when he ran for mayor in 2013, we have a tremendous opportunity now, Nancy, if we can get Ari Kagan elected now that he has uh, changed party affiliation to be a Republican and run against uh, Councilman Justin Brannan to remove that roadblock to no-kill shelters. That sounds like a fantastic idea. Oh, this is great news, great news. But let's go back to the bad news because we were directly involved with this. I'm going to just give the backstory a little bit. You had this animal abuser. He had uh, rented an apartment in Bay Ridge, and he stayed and he stayed and he stayed, and he was abusing animals. And then he left to East Flatbush. Uh, And I believe it was his uh, mother who rented an apartment for him in East Flatbush. She signed all the papers. And then he ran a torture chamber of dogs of which I, I actually witnessed it. I went in there with Rob Pacera, who's a great animal rights activist, and we were so horrified. Dogs had been tortured there, hung upside down. There was feces everywhere, the smell, you know, these poor animals. And luckily, they were rescued after years and years of the landlady and the landlord making complaints to the police, ASPCA. Nobody would do anything. Rob Becerra took it up as a cause, he, and finally it happened. And then he gets released from jail, of course, like everybody else. He comes back with his posse, and he beats the living daylight out of the landlord, the landlady, in front of their child. He gets arrested again, and we figured, okay, he's going into the slammer, right, Nancy? Of course. Of what course. happened? What happened? Well, I mean, obviously he's about, let's see, I think it was, Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, he was pulled over in Queens uh, because of something to do with his car, uh, like loud exhaust. He gets pulled over, and in his car he has a huge crate that has a mother Great Dane uh, along with seven Great Dane puppies, and they're all in horrific condition in this, you know, small, like uh, cramped cage and. 
you can tell that, uh, you know, the mother's feeding him and he was uh, having them for sale. So he's doing this again, this guy. And so this is the same guy getting pulled over with these animals. Um, and so, he, you know, he got um, arrested. He got brought in. The animals were taken in. And, you know, obviously they're going to adopt them out. But he was given a desk appearance ticket. Not only that, a great animal rights activist in the city council, Robert Holden, a Democrat from Middle Village, Maspeth, uh, and Glendale, was all over this, already praising the 104th Precinct. They did a great job. They stopped him on Woodhaven Boulevard. And then all of a sudden, everybody says, well, whatever happened to the original case where he beat the hell out of the landlord and landlady, him and his homeboys, he was arrested for that. And it turns out that the Kings County District Attorney's Office had no paperwork on this. He had been arrested. He had been arraigned in front of them. They said, well, we don't, we don't have no stinking paperwork. And this happens all the time in the largest DA offices of Eric Gonzalez. He doesn't want to arrest and prosecute people. He wants to give them diversion. They can't find the paperwork, Nancy. Yeah, and, and this guy, he's being charged with eight counts of what's called animal torture. But, again, the problem is because the laws are so weak in defense of animals, this is only a misdemeanor, which means that ultimately it will be um, probably pled out to a violation, something, uh, a monetary fee. So he's going to be free to do this again and again. And to put it in perspective as well, his next appearance date isn't until February. So by that time, he'll have already been able to have another uh, set of puppies based on the gestation period. That's how long a period of time is going to happen between now and his next court date. And he's clearly living somewhere else because he got he got um, ultimately taken out of that residence. So he was doing this in Bay Ridge. He was doing this in... Um, uh, what, what, I'm not sure what the name Flatbush. of the, East Flatbush. Yeah, East Flatbush. And now he was found in Queens where he was carrying these dogs. So he's living somewhere else. So this is going to be the third residence at a minimum where this is going on. Could you track this? Because you're very good at tracking these cases through the court system uh, and let us know from week to week uh, the adjudication of this because he, he Eric Gonzalez turned them loose. Turned them loose in the excuse at the Kings County District Attorney's Office, we can't find the paperwork. I mean, and, and again, this idea that when he in the past was confronted by the landlord who was calling on behalf of the dogs being abused and then did get uh, you know, charged with that and then the dogs were taken away, that's what caused the anger. So now his dogs were taken away um, by the authorities. So now obviously he's going to be upset because that was money for him. So he, he probably went out that day and committed a crime against someone because he has a history of it. So the fact that they were willing to let him go out, knowing that he has a tendency, he has a history of doing this, that just shows how, how um, you know, they don't take this seriously whatsoever, that animal abusers, clearly they're people abusers, and you know that he probably did something that night. Torturing animals, and we've given him a license to do that in the five boroughs of the city of New York there are no ramifications to his continued torture of animals. Unbelievable. So, Nancy, please track that through the court system. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, if you remember about two weeks ago, the one issue that really set off a lot of our listeners 
was when Governor Murphy uh, decided to go against what he had promised never to do. Uh, he would not allow for a hunt of bears to cull the herd. He said, I'll never do that. And then uh, all of a sudden he said, I have to allow for it to take place because there are just too many bears causing too many problems. And animal rights activists went into court in Trenton and got a stay against the bear hunt. But obviously the governor's office is going to go back in. It'll be a temporary stay. And they're going to try to allow for hunters to go out there and shoot a certain number of bears to cull the herd. Yeah, so this is how you know that this probably has zero traction whatsoever. I believe they're just trying to appease, uh, you know, the outrage that's happening, not just by the uh, the animal rights group that has the three groups that had brought the case, but also people who are annoyed by the fact that this is happening uh, when, you know, this was something that was being promised to be eliminated. So they had, uh, you know, this was last week on Wednesday, they had the emergency um, you know, court hearing, and on Friday, the um, you know the plaintiffs they had to present additional paperwork, and on Monday is when the Department of in, uh, Environmental Preservation they have to give their answer. Now they have to give it before 4 p.m., and when they give their answer, because this is um, expedited uh, proceeding, right away there's going to be um, you know some sort of ruling by the judge. So given that, they're clearly going to say. We want to continue to do this. It's supposed to start tomorrow. The courts open up at 9 in the morning, figure. They're going to have it in first thing in the morning. If they don't already have it there, I'm sure they have it there. It'll be read. There'll be a decision right early in the morning. They even told um, the public at large uh, to watch the website because we'll be updating you on the status of the litigation. So they 100% anticipate that first thing tomorrow morning they're going to be approved to keep going forward with this hunt and everything's going to continue as it was so that's my prediction as to what's going to happen i think this is uh just this you know attempt to show that they're trying to pay mind to the public when you know this was already sealed immediately when it was done um you know it's the, the council for uh the fish and the wildlife initially when it was decided they, they were going to ban this when this was um governor murphy's sort of pet project that he was running on oh, it's inhumane, I'm going to ban it. They unanimously agreed with him, yes, we should ban it. And then the minute that he changed his mind, uh, like the day after the election, and said, no, no, I think we should do it, they said unanimously, yes, I think we should do it. So they're just saying whatever it is that, you know, the it is that he wants to have done. So, it, you know, even though they're calling this really um, sort of like an anti-hunting group litigation, what the claim really is, is that they're saying that they this council improperly declared an emergency, emergency bear season. And they really did, because in less than 30 days, he made a decision. This is an emergency. They voted on it. There was um, one single day of public feedback. It was immediately approved. They've already so, sold uh, 5,500 licenses. This happened in less than 30 days. So it shows that if the government wants to do something expeditiously, they can. They just drag their feet otherwise. Well, we have so many of our listeners who live in areas that are frequented by bears throughout New York State, throughout New Jersey, throughout Pennsylvania. I'd uh, love to be able to hear from them uh, because uh, Nancy has given a critique of what will probably go down. And then I have a feeling if, in fact, the hunt begins 
you will see a migration of bears out of New Jersey trying to find sanctuary temporarily in New York or Pennsylvania. Their instincts will take them there. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And now to a story that hits home because when I was uh, just a little boy in South Ozone Park on 88th and Boyd, we were there, and I remember my dad was out at sea. My mom, Francesca, was at home. Uh, the landlord, uh, Stosh, was a sanitation guy downstairs. And uh, my mother bought this um, facsimile of an owl. And she would talk to me through the owl. You know, like when she wanted to give me instructions, she would say, Who? Who? Is Curtis Lee would been a good boy? Who? Who, remember, don't pollute. Just like the commercial, the PSA with the owl. And I love the owl. I love owls. Uh, That's my favorite animal of all time. Right now it's second only, actually it's first, and then pigeons are second uh, in terms of birds. But there is a problem that took place with, what can we say, the poisoning of owls? Can you break that down to me because it breaks my heart? Yeah, so uh, this uh, relates to a specific owl population that's in the Tampa Bay area. So, you know, the owl enthusiast and the people who care for, uh, you know, like a population of owls that have lived there for over a decade, they've slowly been uh, declining in population, and they couldn't figure out what was going on, like why they were disappearing, because, I mean, this was the area that they were living in, and then they... Uh, had finally caught one day that the owl, uh, the owls were eating the um, rats that were there, and shortly thereafter, you know, then they're feeding the uh, like the owl babies they have, and then these animals went. They were able to f- um, recover two of the bodies, and they did toxicology reports on them, and it turned out that they um, all had uh, you know large levels of rodenticide in them. So this is why these um, owls in this area are dying in, in mass, and then they wind up, you know, going through how in this area, because it's just so prevalent, I mean, obviously, as in most areas, but they've found uh, these rat poisons in everything, like from foxes to lions, eagles, reptiles. It's found in so many types of animals because the way that the food chain works, everything is eating each other. So all of a sudden now you have so many animals that you would never think would ever come into contact with these poisons, and they are just by virtue of the food chain. And we talk about the need to uh, cull the herd of the rats, the mice, the rodents, which are just incredible amounts, especially in the city. Owls are a perfect way of doing that. They are nocturnal. This is what they do when everybody's sleeping. They're out there swooping around. They're looking at the ground for rats, for rodents, for mice, because that's what they feed on. It's Mother Nature's way of culling that herd that everybody is always talking about. Oh, we got to get rid of the rats. We got to get rid of the mice. We got to get rid of the rodents. And they're eliminating the owls. The other thing is, in the neighborhood where we're in, the Upper West Side, we walk around the neighborhood and we look up at the brownstones, and some of the owners uh, of those brownstones have put spikes right on the uh, windowsills to impale pigeons. They think it's going to prevent them from landing on the windowsills. Most times it does, but sometimes 
the poor pigeon lands on it and they lose their webbed feet, it, it impales them. Others will put up plastic owls. And again, the owl is a predator of the pigeon. The pigeons fly around. They will not land on any building that has those plastic owls out on their uh, windowsill. So you and, would figure and, everybody would do that. And just to put uh, uh, some of the the rodent uh, pesticides sort of into you know into perspective. So the EPA, which is obviously supposed to be safeguarding the environment, in 2008 they lifted restrictions having to do with a lot of these like um, over toxic. Uh, rat poisons because there's a lot of pressure from industries they were getting because they want to use the um, extended ultra, ultra, even though you can use a smaller dosage. And they were getting the biggest blowback, believe it or not, from poultry and livestock industries because obviously they have all the animals outdoors. Now just, you know, fathom that, that they wanted to have access to this extremely toxic poison around all of these rats that are living around what ultimately is going to be in our food consumption chain. So now you wonder why is it that people's bodies will have this, and that, that could be one of the reasons right there. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And it leads us to the story of the week. With the absence of the mayor who is uh, supposedly coming back from Qatar after his three-day soiree out there, in his absence... They posted a job listing. They were looking for a rat czar for the city of New York. You could earn 120000 to 170000 uh, Many people had suggested, since the mayor always likes to give people a second chance. You know, people run afoul of the law, give them a second chance. He likes to mentor them. He feels it's best for them. And many people said, why not just hire Sammy the Bull Gravano? I mean, he's the biggest rat that ever existed on two legs, and he's great at executing human beings, and he'd probably be great at exterminating rats. Um, okay. You're not thrilled with that idea, are you? No, no not especially. Well, well, well they, they need a rat star now, 120000 to 170000 and they have to be... They have to be prepared to dedicate their life to eradicating rats. Yeah, I mean, the entire uh, job uh, posting it really seems to take light of this issue ultimately, which is, you know, that people are complaining for all the obvious reasons and, I mean, huge quality of life issue. All, I mean, I, I don't think this would be, you know, noticed as much if people weren't complaining as much. I mean, they have to address it. But the way that they're trying to attract this new candidate they're kind of making light of the situation. Um, oh, we want some, like, some somewhat bloodthirsty, uh, you know, I mean, and, you know, like, these sort of, like, silly terms that they use, especially given that they're they're willing to pay potentially up to $170,000 a year, and the requirements for this um, position are kind of odd, too, right? So, bachelor's degree, um, Related experience, which I'm not sure what that would be unless you, you know, worked in sort of a pesticides in general. You know, you, this was your job. But urban planning, project management, if you work in government before, apparently you are a shoo-in for, for this position as well. So, But they do reference that this will be a high-visibility job. So I think what they're acknowledging is that if you have any complaints going forward, which I'm sure you will because this plan, there is no plan, then talk to this person and don't talk to Mayor Adams. 
Well, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people don't realize that uh, when you were first managing your cat colonies in Sunset Park, the many cat colonies in Brooklyn, as you were living there before I had met you, and then eventually after we met, you reached out to the Brooklyn Pearl President's Office, Eric Adams at the time, who was trying to figure out different ways of doing what they call rat mitigation, eliminating rats. Uh, you attended uh, uh, Brooklyn Borough Hall. You offered your services to organize feral cat colonies, which is the best way, the natural impediment to the growth and developments of rats and mice and rodents is to have feral cat colonies. And what happened with all of that? Because you, uh, you were willing to... Uh, donate a lot of your time to help then borough president uh, Eric Adams with uh, his uh, rat eradication. Yeah, I mean, it, for, for whatever reason, as an official policy, this really doesn't gain any traction. And it's unfortunate because it goes hand in hand with, uh, you know, the failings of the shelter system. You know, addressing the feral cat population, this would, um, you know, put it much more into the public consciousness of the fact that there is this outdoor, um, you know, because, again, so many people do this, but now it helps to bring people under a singular umbrella. I mean, this is really where the, the city is failing. It's that they're not including this as part of their overall plan. Ultimately, it should be the only plan um, because the pesticides clearly never make any sense. I mean, all, all of these, um, you know, little things they try to do, uh, the $8,000 garbage cans they get that are supposedly rat-proof. I mean, it doesn't do anything if next door someone doesn't have that garbage can. I mean, all these very illogical, expensive things, and they're missing the point of the most obvious thing. And there are a lot of places that already utilize this, which is, you know, why it's kind of unbelievable they're so slow to the game on it. The fact that Chicago is ahead of us on this plan of utilizing feral cats for uh, rat eradication in public areas we should be embarrassed of that, that Chicago is ahead of us on that. What's amazing to me is they've done a documentary on people who raise uh, uh, feral cats throughout Brooklyn. It was a great documentary. You and I both saw it. Talked about all these uh, people who are not related to one another, and they all had these cat colonies all over from Coney Island uh, to uh, Bay Ridge, uh, to East New York, to Brownsville, all of them doing what they can. Yeah, it was called the Cat Rescuers. Yeah, you have to try to see this, ladies and gentlemen. It is really a well-done documentary. And a lot of people you would never think uh, were cat rescuers and were managing feral colonies. And to see the results they got, Eric Adams was aware of it. It was made in his borough. I mean, and, and when you look at the amazing amount of people who are who are doing this with their own time, their own money, the um, you know the amount of resources that they have, and in many instances it's not that much, but they're willing to do it because they're so dedicated. It's such an unbelievable area of volunteerism that it's sad that it's not being tapped because you know the city with its budget issues and with so many cats in need of help and is such an overpopulation issue, and the shelters you know, being overrun with these cats because they're not addressing it. It's such a perfect resolution to everything that it's, it's, it should be criminal they're not putting it forward. Now, I'm hoping uh, our listeners can help us with this. At that very time that you and the other uh, feral cat organizers were offering your services to Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams, he held a press conference in which he demonstrated his way of rat eradication 
He was drowning rats in front of the press. I have tried to find that press conference. I remember watching it. (laughs) And the media seems to have assisted Eric Adams by removing every aspect of that press conference. Yeah, he probably tried to scrub it from, like, searches, but uh, I'll I'll try to do a deep dive and find that for you. Nancy, that was sick. It was sick. Everybody it was sick. who saw that saw that he got a vicarious thrill out of drowning and, and the rats. the way he still talks about not only that, but, like, he, he translated it now into, what was that, frogs? It's, it's like he sounds like an animal torturer. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was really sick. And all of a sudden I was going to use it in the campaign because a lot of our campaign for mayor was animal rights. And all of a sudden I noticed it was gone. Now, everything... It's supposed to be cataloged, right? You should be able to find anything. It was gone. Now, why would the media uh, prevent us from being able to see that? I mean, he could have apologized later on and said, no, I was wrong. You know, I, I just want to get rid of rats. And I would say, okay, I understand. You try whatever you, you try it. It doesn't work. You move on. But, my God, now we're going to have a, I guess, the number one prerequisite for this new rats are, you have to be willing to catch the rats and then drown them. That's his only answer for eliminating rats. Yeah, I'm not sh- exactly. I'm not sure what they think this person is stepping into, like with what plan of action they have. But it, it makes again, it makes no sense that they're going to be paying so much money to a person when there's already such a fiscal crisis going on. And it's not even suggesting a plan of action that's different than they've done before. Well, anyway, you have to explain this because we've always said the best eradicators of rats are cats. Mm -hmm. And we saw it went viral all over the world. A black kitty, not a huge black cat, a black kitty dragged in the remnants of an alligator's head and put it on the where you you rub your shoes, the welcome mat. And... Mm -hmm. We've seen that our own cats, they'll catch a mouse, they'll catch a rat, and they'll bring it and they'll put it on the welcome mat. Now, I understand a rat, I understand a mouse, but an alligator's head? Yeah, I guess the the cat was really proud because that must have been the certainly the biggest thing that this cat ever caught, but it was tremendous. It was an entire head. Why do they do that, Nancy? Why do they catch? It's like uh, catch... But they don't release it. The The animal, obviously, is dead at that point. But they'll very gently have it in their mouth, and then they'll lay it on where you would normally wipe your shoes, the welcome mat, before you enter the house. Well, I, I definitely think they're very neat in what they do, even when they kill, surprisingly. So they're very organized about maybe where, where they'll place the, the remains, but... Uh, yeah, I, so I think I think it's a combination of you know sometimes I've heard okay it's a gift right they're giving you a gift um, I think yes in a sense but I think also it's that you know this is their job right their job is to protect you and you know the area that you live in so I think there's a lot of pride in them when they kill something so they want to let you know you know they're doing their job they're living up to their responsibility so it's more of just like a a check in like okay I'm not falling asleep. Our first rescue cat in that uh, we had in the apartment, Hercules, used to sneak out all the time. And in the wee hours of the morning, he would bring in rats and mice and lay them right there on the floor and just stare at us. 
Yeah, that that was actually quite disturbing. Um, I, I was like waking up to, and they were always little too, right? So I couldn't really tell if he was trying to uh, kill them for food or it seemed like he was trying to play with them because they were always alive when he brought them in. Yeah, and then I'd have to catch him and then bring him back outside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you were running into the bathroom. You were terrified of it. Yeah, I'm not. I don't want to touch hey, that. Curtis, finally do some work around the house. Uh, just catch the mouse, catch the rat, and bring it outside, right? And it's like, and, and by the time you get to it, you know, because it's a little one, and the, you know, um, Hercules was playing for a little bit. It's like all, you know, it's like it looks like it just had like a shower. It's like doused. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I would catch it and release it. I would mm-hmm. release it back out there. Anyway, our numbers, 1-800-848-9222 as we continue with the Animal Welfare Hour here at WABC. WABC. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Let's go to the phones, Nancy. It's uh, Helena calling from Westchester. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour here at WABC. Helena. Hi, beautiful Nancy and sexy, 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 sexy Curtis. Okay, I'll drop that for this for now. I'll leave it to my imagination and yours. Okay, so, you know, Rats have a very bad connotation. We understand they spread disease, but the way to kill them, the way the mayor did that, to drown them, do you realize no matter how little a creature is, they feel pain and suffering? I don't know. And also your idea about having... The cat colony killed the rats. You know what's going to happen now. There's going to be a lot of rat poison among them, and the cats will eat that. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm an animal lover 100%. Well, let's let's see, uh, Nancy. Is that a possibility that as the cats, their natural prey are the rats, as they stalk them and they kill them, if any of them eat uh, the rat, that they could end up getting poisoned by the rat poison ingested by the rat. You know what? Um, it, I I would have to look further into how how rats travel. But the thing here, I I would say is, if you have you know cats uh, when they're outdoors in the colony, they usually stay in a very um, specific type of uh, zone, right? So they don't wander around everywhere. So I think for this idea to really be implemented, it would have to be done, um, you know, section by section, right? So area by area. Now, the rats that would potentially um, enter the area, I think the idea is that they would probably uh, keep the rats at bay as opposed to maybe eating the rats necessarily because at this point they they would have um, an escape route. So you're just kind of – so I think it would have to be done kind of on a piecemeal basis. But certainly understood what you're saying. Um, I'm sure – you know, in, and then, and obviously, in practice, that happens now with the cats who live outdoors, right? All the ones who live outdoors, they're just trying to find anything to eat, so they're falling victim to this as it is now. So, you know, whether they fall victim as feral cats or within the context of the like the colony setup, so I think that that's a good thing. And also, uh, to your point with the rat poisons, because they are so strong now, 
they have it where because they want the rats to uh, they used to have it where immediately the rats died and then the other rats were clued on to the fact that it was poisonous so they wouldn't eat the bait so they needed to have a slow acting poison so these rats um, and mice and rodents and whoever eats it it takes up to 10 days for them to die of internal bleeding so to your point that's a horrific death to have 10 days of internal bleeding so uh, yeah I, I think uh, yeah uh, both good points and I think Definitely, um, you know, worthy of being addressed. Let's go to Dave in Lockport. Uh, your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour at WABC, Dave. Hi, uh, Curtis. Uh, hey, uh, about, uh, well, first of all, I want to thank you for my hat and the hat you sent to my my other friend, Dave, in North Manawanda. Uh But anyway, uh, I'm a cat owner. I have, currently I have four cats. Uh, one is a rescue cat. One that my friend gave me, and two of them I took off the street. One uh, uh, I took off the street two and a half years ago, and we named it COVID. And my other one uh, we just took in about two weeks ago. Uh, Anyway, uh, I've grown up with cats. I've had them my whole life. Cats will kill rats. They will not eat them. They will eat mice. And when I was a kid, like seven years old, uh, we lived out in the country, and our cat, Kitzer, was a mouser. And she would bring mice in to show us because she was so proud that she did her job. <laughs> and we would tell her, take them out on the porch and eat them, and she would. <laughs> but if you, if you didn't listen when she meowed to get in the door, uh, you could tell the difference when she had her mouth full. Because if you let her in, she'd play with them on the kitchen floor, and then you'd have to tell her, take them outside and, and you know, good girl, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we experienced with Hercules. He did exactly what you described, Dave, exactly. Let's go to Billy, who's calling from the Irish Riviera Pearl River in uh, Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Billy. Greetings from the Irish Riviera. We welcome you to all the bars at Pearl River, Curtis. Well, thank you. Uh, why don't you just get a guy with a shotgun, a few guys with shotguns that know where they're doing, and sticky bars, and just kill all these rats. Now, you you think guys with shotguns are going to eh, do... Professionals. But I never knew that uh, exterminators use shotguns to eliminate rats. Well, they're wasting their time. I mean, a shotgun will, like, you know, take care of the problem ASAP, won't it? And sticky boards, like big sticky boards. Like you get a four-by-four piece of plywood, and you put the garbage on top of it with, like, a little, you know, uh, lever, like a little height to it, and the rat comes out to the sticky board, and then... Hmm. And it sticks to it? Yeah, that's another form of torture. Think about how many other things in in New York City could potentially stick to that thing. I'm saying to myself, what is it with these guys? The mayor wants to drown rats. This guy wants them stuck on sticky boards for hours. It's a torturous death. Can you imagine? Well, you're the one with the guns. You're the Annie Oakley uh, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, but I'm I'm not trying to proactively go out there and kill things. It's self-defense, not offense. Yeah, Nancy's the Annie Oakley. I can't imagine all of a sudden you're going to take an AK and just start blowing away rats. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, no, and, and especially something like a shotgun, right? That has, like, pellets. New York City, oh, that spraying, oh, my God. Well, I remember as a kid, we used to go into the lots. That's what they called it in Canarsie. This is before uh, they subdivided and came in uh, with subdivisions for houses. And we would uh, either have uh, BB guns or twenty twos, and we'd try to shoot the rats and always miss them because they would just be too fast. They're, they're, they're not easy. You know, they, they don't just stand there, you know, while you're beating down on them, man. They're like doing the bird. They're gone. It's, it, and it's survival of the fittest, the ones that would get caught. You're not going to catch them. For sure. Let's go to Gary, who's calling from Inwood. Your turn to be heard here in the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Gary. Good evening, guys. I have a sister in Pennsylvania. Her and her husband last week had a very close and personal relationship with a black bear in her backyard. Uh, her husband was working on one side of the house, and she was on the other heavily wooded area. This is just outside of uh, Poconos. And my sister just caught, caught it out of the corner of her eye, and she turned around. There was a black bear 30 feet away from her. And she called out to her husband. He came around. He had a pistol in his pocket. That was the last, if necessary, that was the last resort. So he just had his eye on that. The bear went around my sister, paid no attention to her, went to the garbage can, which he stealed. And he knocked it over. He's just moving it around. He smelled something, but that was it. He slowly backed up a porch, which is elevated, off the ground, maybe 30 feet up. And the bear finally caught attention with her. He came up the stairs after her, and she went inside. She closed the glass door, and she's looking. He comes up the stairs, puts his paws up, and he snows to her face. Just, and he's banging on the glass slowly while she's there looking at him. And he came around and just banged around, and the bears eventually came down the stairs and went into the woods. Wow. Wow. <laughs> right there. Well, nose to nose. And her daughter last year... Lived down the road from her. He left her garage door open. This is like five minutes away. She came home, and she was pulling the car into the garage, and there was a bear inside the garage. This is just outside. It's called Frausberg. Uh, so she called the she called animal control, and she just told them. They said, everything's all right? She said, just go about your business. She said, if he comes back again, let us know, but just consider it a, a matter of like she's slowly back up the stairs. And like the nose to nose at the glass. Just looking up face. <laughs> and like he gently put his paws, not the horsefully but like he pounded gently pounded his paws on the glass while she was looking at him. Wow. And then he came down the then he came down the stairs because her husband just banged banged the pot which he had outside. And he banged it the bear was distracted by the noise. He came down that, that is incredible. Coming face to face with a bear, and the bear didn't do anything to them. Bear was just interested in getting to the garbage. I mean, that's why I think most of this problem is they have to figure out a way to properly secure the garbage. You know, I mean, and this just sounds like it, it, it would be like the logical solution. Uh, I mean, if, if people were going to a campground and, you know, you're camping at night and there's bears there, there's suggestions about, oh, yeah, you're supposed to put the garbages in a sealed container. So they're consistently coming for the food, and they should put the either the onus on the people who live there. I mean, look at, again, look at New York City, right? They're distributing 
uh, composting garbage cans, I mean, this, this, like, program, whatever they're trying to do, why would they not in New Jersey, uh, you know, give to the residents bear-proof garbage cans? Because that seems to be where the problem is at. People are being irresponsible with that. They smell the food and they're hungry. I mean, they're living in close proximity. I mean, it's it's just bound to happen. Well, I'm trying to remember back to nursery rhymes. Didn't the bears do a home invasion and then sit at the table and eat the curves and waves? Wasn't that the... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure if you. Well, let's see. I don't know. Would you call it a home invasion if they they fall asleep? Oh yeah, no, no. There have been situations on the crime blotter. A guy breaks into your house, makes a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and then goes to sleep on your Castro convertible. You come home, you say, "What the hell are you doing in my house?" I yeah, got, maybe you just had the wrong house. I got hungry. You know, I got hungry. But anyway, Nancy. If anybody is interested in continuing this conversation with you, what is the best way to get in touch with you and uh, discuss any and all animal welfare issues? Uh, well, you can visit guardianangels.org um, and go to animal protection, or you can email me, uh, nancy at guardianangels.org. Oh, and next week we got to talk about the bat issue, what's happening with the bats, because I used to hang upside down on trees in the Canarsie Cemetery in the back uh, during the day, the bats would be sleeping because they're nocturnal, too, like the owls. And they actually go out there and clean up the rodents and the mice and the rats. But one time, one of those bats took umbrage to me that I was hanging upside down right next to it, looking at it. And it bit me in the stomach. And it took 15 needles in my stomach at oh. Brookdale because they said, oh, it could have rabies. Oh, you, you could be frothing from your mouth. we got to give you these horse needles. You should have just taken your chances. Exactly. <laughs> Upon second thought, I should have done that. Thank you for another great animal welfare hour here at WABC. Nobody else deals with animal welfare issues in radio any longer. You can find it right here exclusively on WABC. Up next. Maybe Dominic Carter has an idea where the missing in action Frank Morano is, that gold brick, that slacker, that deadbeat. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Functional family, we're going to be in the next 24 hours here at WABC. And by the way, if given a choice of Sly and the Family, Stone, or Earth, Wind, and Fire, you can only play one group, one group alone, what would it be, Dominic? Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, man, you and James Golden together. That's mad crazy. (laughs) Sly and the Family, Stone. But anyway, you saw the headlines. Yes. Donald Trump, citizen Donald Trump, still obsessed with the 2020 election. He's basically saying if you have to suspend the Constitution, so be it. I saw that. I said, okay, maybe he was misquoted. Maybe uh, it was in a podcast. You know how these podcasts are. They can be edited. 
But this is on his own stream. Remember, he thanked Elon Musk for welcoming him back to Twitter, but he doesn't use Twitter. He has his own stream, and he's advocating the suspension of the United States Constitution in order for him to be put into office because his obsession is that the election was stolen from him. I mean, right here at WABC, we have a number of people who are right now, they've jumped ship, you know, they're swimming towards DeSantis, or they're hanging tough, you know, with uh, Donald Trump, starting with Sid in the morning. He's the boy, this is really going to put the pressure on Sid. Then you go to Greg Kelly, it doesn't matter, you know. Uh, Trump could go out to Fifth Avenue outside of Trump Tower, shoot somebody, and Greg Kelly would say, I didn't see him shoot anybody. So we have the extremes here. And then Mark Levin, the constitutional scholar, that he really is. What the hell is he going to say about this? Great question. But, 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 I, I think the press is just going to say this is Trump being Trump. Next, and move on. I, I, I don't see where this is going to be, don't look at me like that. I don't see what his, this is going to be that big. Nobody's going to take this seriously. How can you? Yeah, but if you're in the business as we are, yes. of constantly talking about the Constitution, the Constitution, the Constitution, I mean, uh, Mark Levin will raise the Constitution. He'll quote the Constitution. He does. He does. What does he say to a guy that he obviously has a great relationship with, although in listening to him of late, he's moving ever so slowly towards DeSantis? A guy who basically says, oh, for the purpose of installing me back into office, suspend the Constitution. He's, well, got, a, he's got a comment on it. He, he, he has to comment. He, he says that he disagrees in a nice, gentle way. He disagrees with Trump, uh, backs the Constitution, and moves on. And moves on. This I, guy's crazy. I mean, let's face it. Uh, you know, Joe Biden's got to go. I, I Trump's got to go. I wouldn't say you're referring to Trump. Damn right. You say I, you're going to suspend the Constitution? I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say he's crazy. I would say what he's doing is exactly for the reaction that you're doing right now. It gets people like you up into an uproar, and it keeps his name in the headlines. That's what this is about. But that, but nobody's going to pay serious attention to this. So what are you, Chuck D, don't believe the hype? What, uh, what are you, public enemy, don't believe the hype? Hey, but you, but you know what, though? You know what? So so I, I'm becoming, I guess, Curtis Sliwa, the, uh, the African-American version. So, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so Although so, you know what I said. Oh, I if know you what took you said. To, to, I, I know what Topeka, you said. Kansas. I'm about to refer to go that. Go ahead, go ahead. So I'm driving back from, I, I can't sit still like Curtis Sliwa, and so I take a nap. Um, I'm in Rhode Island with my grandkids after we were all together at the um, at the uh, Marriott, in which you were in Rudy's ear about something all night long. Oh, but, yeah, that was don't take a sit-down with Eric Adams. Don't listen to Sid Rosenberg. Okay, well, Sid was on one side and you were on the other. We were lobbying him heavy. Okay, so I'm, I'm in Rhode Island, and, and I take a nap. And I wake up, and I'm like, oh, I got to get out of here. I can't just sit still. So it's 1 a.m. in the morning, and I'm driving back from Rhode Island about 1.30. And so I'm listening to Curtis Sliwa from about 1.30 to about 3.30. And when do you ever stop 
the energy level. And I heard you about the Kansas example. Topeka. That, that, that Topeka, if, Topeka that if they can't see you or I, they would identify you as the African-American. I heard you. I heard Damn you. right. Damn right. They'd say, oh, this is farmer boy, uh, Dominic Carter. He, he's one of us. He grows corn. That other guy sounds like he's from Chi-Town, Southside. Hey, but you know one thing I can say about you, Curtis Lee? What's that? On the real. You're not a phony. And so anyone, you're going to know where you stand with Curtis Lewa because he's not going to pull any punches. He's going to tell you the truth to your face. Even if it's detrimental to me. Yes, as as I've witnessed a couple of times. But wait a minute. So so I'm in I'm in Rhode Island and I'm I'm reading about in Rhode Island that the Guardian Angels were involved. What happened, you guys? Well, we were on the uh, the uh, number four train and the D train. You know, we we're riding the trains, and we came across two situations involving emotionally disturbed persons because they were all over the subway. Mm-hmm. So 138th were on the four train, and we patrol in groups of three. We go up and down the train because the cops don't do that. We actually, this is where the, the action is. you got to be on the train. And we come across an emotionally disturbed man with a baby. And he's yelling at a woman across from him who doesn't even know him, never saw him before in his life, threatening to kill her. So we move her to the next car, and then we ride with him and calm him down. There happen to be no cops available. Then they get on the D train. They're going uptown, and at 167th Street, they're walking through the cars. It's a little more difficult because those car doors don't open. You have to jump from train to train as it moves in the station. They jump into the station. There are two young adults, thugs, a man and a woman, beating the living daylights out of an elderly woman. She had to be 76, pounding her. They jump on top of the guy. They pull him off. Cops come. The conductor, some of the cops. They were from the 4-4 precinct. They bring him to the precinct, and they give him a, a disappearance ticket, a desk appearance ticket. The woman has his hand marks all over her face. And you say, remember, you have the DA there's Clark. She is like Alvin Bragg, too. She doesn't get the same attention. But, man, in the, in the Bronx, they're cutting loose thugs and thugettes all the time. And, and you know what's funny about the district attorney in the uh, Bronx, Darcel Clark? She is Alvin Bragg, too. But yet, she's the when she was on the bench, she kept the young man at Rikers Island. And once he got out, he ended up killing himself. Uh, the young man, Khalif Browder. Right, right. Khalif Browder. Right. So she was the judge that kept him in jail, and he did not get out. And, and then when he did uh, get out, he ended up killing himself. Yeah, he became the poster child for closing Rikers. In fact, uh, Jay-Z and Harvey Weinstein did the documentary. Hey, how you doing, Harvey, out there in L.A.? Hey, the, but, uh, jury but, is, uh, but, but, but don't be so upset with this Trump stuff and the Constitution. It's it's just a headline in the news cycle. This, too, will pass. But don't look at me like that. This, too, will pass very quickly. This guy's a screwball, man. It's like he needs <laughs> to stay in Mar-a-Lago. Biden needs to go in the basement there in Delaware on the beach. Out with the old, in with the new, and let's be done with and, it. And you're back at 1 a.m. Damn right. Where's Frank? Where's Frank Morano? He's missing in action, that gold brick slacker deadbeat.